Welcome to the Metal List, where we count down our top five personal favorites. All things metal, all things distorted guitars. You may be wondering, what's with the weird intro? Well, we have a weird episode. A special weird episode. On this episode, we're joined again by our good friend, Lindsay O'Connor. And she brought a friend too, Mitch Harris of Napalm Death and Brave the Cold. Now, Mitch wanted to speak on Celtic Frost, specifically the album to Megatherion. He didn't have a top five for all of Celtic Frost, but you know what? We weren't about to pass up the chance to talk with him. So here's how the episode goes. We shoot the shit with him about the album, well, like when we first heard it, what we love about the songs, etc., etc. But we get into a lot of different areas, like really off into a lot of different areas. But it's not really an interview. It's just four metalheads talking about metal shit. Since there's no real list, D'Lo and I recorded our top fives a few days later just to round out the episode. Uh, One more thing before we get into it, right around the hour and seven minute mark, somewhere around there, we lose Mitch and we kind of keep going, but then eventually he comes back, but you will notice his audio is choppy. Uh, You know, chalk it up to poor internet connection and a little bit of Zoom fuckery. I was going to cut it out, but I decided to leave it in, that way if you want to try and decipher it, which is totally doable uh you can but if you want to skip straight to the list afterwards go ahead and jump to about an hour and 36 hour 37 and you'll be good now having said all that let's hear some fucking god hammered And now your hosts, David Dilo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is the Metalist. Greetings and thanks again for joining us whenever you're joining us, whatever you're joining us. It's the Metalist Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm the usurper. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm Jason. I uh, mean, you can call yourself usurper if you want. <laughs> usurper of what? My own know. podcast? Yeah, sure. Just put a little underneath <laughs> and be like, you know, fill in the blank from here. Anyways, <laughs> joining us once again, we have our friend San Diego Metal Family in Vegas. <laughs> Lindsay O'Connor of Coma Cluster Void, Eyes of Perdition, Cat Nation. She's got brand new music out in the form of Natalia. Everybody go check it out. And we Hello. are Yes. And we are honored to be joined by from Napalm Death, formerly of Defecation, formerly of Righteous Pigs. The list goes on, but more importantly, today we're also talking about his new project, Brave the Cold, Mitch Harris. Thank you for joining us, Mitch. Thank you for the opportunity. So today, we're doing something a little left of center, and we're going to talk about a very specific piece of work that's relevant to everything from the time it was created onward. Today, we're talking about Tomegatherian by, okay, Lindsay, I know we just talked about this, but what what is it? I'm sorry. Celtic Frost. Celtic Frost. Okay, cool. Wait, hold on. Did you just say, like a TH? Like, did you say Celtic? No, no, Celtic. 
like oh so it's not celtic, celtic. yeah well yeah. okay i mean listen i've been calling it celtic frost my whole life i'm from the midwest you know we you know it is what it is but then as i was telling dave earlier my world opened up when i was talking to norm uh, legio at blue mini records about 15 years ago and he mentioned celtic frost he didn't say celtic frost he said celtic frost and my mind was like oh the fuck i've been saying it wrong this whole time <laughs> so i'm going with what norm says because norm is norm you know what i mean hey, it works for boston well, let's yeah. clear let, let's clear this up here okay i lived in england for 26 years and in europe and england everyone calls it celtic frost they do okay but Okay, so there is a team, someone mentioned Boston, uh, and it's always like, you know, yeah. it's Edinburgh or Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Edinburgh. <laughs> so I love playing that game. It's uh, somehow, you know, it, they, don't, they never take it too seriously, but uh, I, I say Celtic Frost, so there you go. Okay, and uh, cool. only Tom G. Warrior can clear this up. But, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Maybe we should have him on. Anybody got his number? Call him up. I hey, we just, we just wanted to ask you, is it Celtic or Celtic? And he'll clarify. Be like, okay, thanks. And we can hang up. Yeah. That'd be really funny. Just say, give me a ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before <laughs> and or after. Down. Yeah. I was just going to say, just hop on a plane, go to Switzerland, and just be like, okay, where yeah, is he? He's going to be like, I'll kill every single one of you. <laughs> Get off my Pretty lawn. Pretty much. Yeah, we'll oh, meet, at the, meet at the Geiger Museum. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That place is awesome. But is it Geiger or Giger? Is it a oh, Geiger nice. counter? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's right. It's that I've I've heard Giger right because there's Giger. Yeah, Giger. Wow. Yeah, it's because wow. there's no e right in the between the G and the I right. I'm fucking so. cultured. Yeah. Don't, tomato. don't forget to tomato. don't forget to dot your T's and cross your eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I guess what a place to start the album art for, for Jamega Therion. Like I, I recognize that so well without even her, hearing the album first. Right. Right. Like, is this, I, he had other collaborations with Tom, if not Celtic frost, right. Or wait, Celtic frost. See, we're doing it already, <laughs> but this has got to be the most famous one, right? That's a very instantly recognizable piece of cover art for sure. Well, what I, I read an interesting story that when they were Hellhammer and they had their first demo, that uh, Tom and Martinane just took a ride up somewhere where his village was and uh, just met him as fans of his work and just left him this demo, not thinking much about it. But um, he contacted them not too long after saying, I love this stuff. And I'm sure it was super like low produced and, you know, just brutal sort of underground teenagers having fun and yeah. uh, he was like this would be a great you know we have a lot of synergies in, in the messages and yeah of course you can have two pieces so wow. that's how it that's happened awesome. and if you don't try you'll never know that's i love that kind of ambition it's like that happened to right. me a lot in life it's like you know you reach out and all of a sudden you're friends for life it's crazy it's fucking, what's he gonna do throw it in the trash he you know it's like okay fine like whatever throw it in the trash yeah, it's just the guy that created the the xenomorphs in Alien. Like, it's it's nothing big. It's yeah, he also did. He didn't he do Carcass's Heartwork cover? Yep. Yeah. And what else? He did some something else. I know there's way more. A bunch the, of Danzig albums, or at least uh, one yeah. Danzig. Yeah. Yeah. He did a he did a magma cover, I think. Um, he oh you know what he did Dead Kennedys um, Franken Christ. Christ. Oh yeah, my yeah. god. <laughs> The, the uh, uncensored one, the original yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. 
Uncensored. Yeah, uh, of which I can't even remember what the um, the censored was. Frankenchrist with the dead, the little tiny hand on it. Which one was the one with the tiny hand? That's um, fresh fruit for rotting. Fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very instantly recognizable. I I always forget the Celtic frost. Damn it, Celtic frost. Sea frost logo is in there somewhere. If you look between the, uh, I think it's the horns, the horns and the devil yeah. figure, yeah, and just yeah. like that automatically really sets the tone for the album. And um, I actually bringing it back around, I was actually more familiar with Hellhammer than Celtic Frost. Ah, we'll just call it the Frost. I think we, we're in agreement, no yep, matter yep, yep. what you say. We know. Yeah. I'll alternate it every time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was actually more familiar because of the Napalm cover of Messiah. Like, I, I sought out that first, and that was more readily available. Um, and so, like, that I'm was way, yeah, I'm way more familiar with the lo-fi recordings of Hellhammer. And then even, you know, the first Celtic Frost release, uh, Morbid Tales, or wait, shoot, which is it? Morbid, yeah, Morbid Tales, right? Because Sepultura's Morbid Visions. There's a lot of, we're going to see a lot of where all the influences start to hit all these other bands as we, as we dive into this. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Morbid Tales cause it's like punky. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. you got Steve Priestley on drums and it's more just, I don't know, snappy, really great sound. But then to make it there, when they got uh read, say Mark, you know, you had all these crazy Tom fills and call it tribal or whatever but it was yeah. etheric, etheric and yeah heavy, and yep. super thrashy and the solos were so solos on to megatherian are just crazy like mm-hmm. i remember um like the first time i listened to the album the whole time i'm like my god he's playing so fucking fast like <laughs> you know i was i was pretty young when i first heard the album and um i'd never heard anybody like really play that fast before it was pretty yeah. crazy so there's a good spot where, okay, because you two are, uh, D'Lo and Lindsay are quite a bit younger. Like when did everybody first hear this album? I heard it when it came out. I mean, you know, I was, we were following Hellhammer since we had our early Slayer stuff. And it was a lot of our friends at that time were getting into more talented kinds of music, say Yngwie Ing, Malmsteen, or is it Yngwie? No, let's not go there. <laughs> we learned that lesson early on, yeah. You know, Steeler and Manowar and things, you know, I mean, I loved it all, personally. It was all good, and, uh, you know, I didn't care if it was down and dirty. It was just different, and that's what I liked about it, and yeah, you know, you got Venom, and there's different levels of what they were basically breaking new ground. Anything goes, and uh, these guys started their own thing out there, and it caught on, you know. And some people laughed at it, like "ha ha ha, talentless shit." No, it's fucking, you know, unique. So every band had bands had an identity back then, you know. Hell yeah, yeah, most definitely. I like, you listen I to the. Oh, go ahead, Jason. I mean, I. It's weird because I mean, I think the first Celtic Frost song I ever fucking heard. And it's going to be weird, but dude, I saw Cherry Orchards on fucking Headbangers Ball, and I fucking love that song. I still love that fucking song. It was just cool hair metal, a little bit heavier. But then I heard this, I was like, what the fuck? I heard Circle of Tyrants and was just like, what is this stuff? Like, Right. I, I mean, I think I'd heard, I mean, it had to have been around, so I mean, we're talking like 88 or 89 was when I when I heard this. I honestly don't remember who had it. I've I've never owned the album. But 
I mean, it was like, wait, this is from, so they did this at the same time that Metallica did fucking like right around the ride, the lightning time. Like no way. You know, yeah, I was like, no fucking way. There was no, uh, nothing else like that. And sure as shit. It was, it was right there. It's just in the United States. We, you know, most of us never heard it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was import only for the, for, you know, yeah. for most of it. And if you weren't in a big city with the underground record stores, kind of hard to find, you know? Yeah, we didn't have a record store that had an import section until quite a bit later, and and they were all super expensive. It was like fuck that, like you know. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, so Dilo, like, I mean, obviously, we, I mean, what were you born in '85? Yeah, I'm actually a little <laughs> younger, or no, I'm a little older than this album by a few right. months. So and it's always interesting to reference things in that point, you know, because my favorite Metallica is Ride the Lightning, and that was 84 before I was around, right? Um, this coming out around the exact same time I was around, finally. It's interesting to go back. Because like, going back, yeah, the Hellhammer stuff and the uh, Morbid Tale stuff, it's very of that time as far as the, okay, we're just getting started and it's a little rough around the edges, but you can hear what's there. Mm-hmm. And I think the production on this is actually a considerable miles ahead job, man. Like, I'm at, yeah, I tried to work with him because he did uh, Creator as well and Destruction oh. and Sodom. His, guy, his name was <clears throat> Horst Mueller. Excuse the pronunciation. But um, yeah, apparently he was like a DJ guy, like a radio DJ that just knew how to get a good balance on a simple desk. And I'm not sure if the bands were totally satisfied with the production even, but every one of them records had this massive, I don't know, kind of raw but clear sound. And it was great, dude. It was like a different culture. And uh, that producer, yeah, you know, he did to Megatherian. I don't know if he did much after that, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, he definitely had some magic. So I was speaking to Millie Petroza a few times about the guy. I was always curious about him. How do we get in touch? I want him, I want him to produce. He's like, hey, man, I don't think he's in music anymore. I don't know. Right. But, you know, it's weird. But, you know, bands move on and they want to get that. Maybe bands were looking for a Bay Area sound. You know, it's like everyone wants It's the grass is always green around the other side. But they really had something going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like the, the Scott's burn sensation of not too long after that, right? And then just everybody went to him and then just kind of, what's he doing now? I don't know. Yeah, right. Like, but yeah, I mean, in, in those days, if you were a band anywhere, it was really hard to find a local studio that knew what the fuck we were trying to do. It's like, come on, you know, really? It's, it, is it that scary? It's like, what? You know. <laughs> yeah. Is For this sure. the best it can get? I won't break your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> for certain um but yeah like like all the little here's and there's there's horns on it there's there's these weird sweeping guitar solos not like technicality sweeping but just like the overall ethereal vibe right yeah and morbid morbid yes exactly it's in the name it's um, like it's very it's like a super evil sounding album which i really liked i think like the first time i actually heard celtic frost um i you know i'm i'm younger i mean this album i was barely alive when this came out so i kind of got the i i discovered them through like the back door like i found a bunch of bands that were influenced by celtic frost and then when you dig deeper you discover who their influences are and then that's how i arrived there like i was really into like I don't know at the time like you know what it was i think it was like 96 i there was like some 
Celtic Frost tribute album that came out with a bunch of bands on it that I had liked. Um, And that's how I I discovered Celtic Frost was like, okay, what's this? Oh, well, I like Enslaved. So what's this, you know, and then just kind of going in a little bit deeper and then listening to the original material. Um, Yes. And uh, yeah, Procreation of the Wicked was the first Celtic Frost song that I had heard. But the first, I actually saw Cycle of the Tyrants. I think it was like Headbangers Ball, very late at night. Um, and I remember. So was, it, was it the obituary one or was it the Opeth one? No, I'm sorry. It was the actual music it video. It was the actual, okay. Yeah, the actual music video from Celtic Frost. The first song I heard of theirs was Procreation of the Wicked, but then I saw the video, Circle of the Tyrants, on Headbangers Ball. And um, I was like, this is so evil. <laughs> yeah. It was like the most evil stuff that I had heard at that time. I was still pretty young, but you know, this was like still, this was like the burgeoning new metal era, you know, like in 97, 98, 99. So there wasn't a lot of really evil sounding metal that was readily accessible out at that time, at least for me and what was accessible for me. And then when I saw that video, I was like, what the fuck, you know, I'm like, okay, Celtic Frost, I think I'm really into this. And then, you know, that's my love affair continuing throughout the years. But again, for many years, calling them Celtic Frost until good old Norm Leggio mm-hmm. came through. <laughs> but um, well, you chose the right path outside yeah, of New Metal. But the, the, left, the left-hand path. Because um. <laughs> we used to really wonder what the hell was going on in Europe and t- trade not only cassette tapes of audio, but also videotapes. And uh, when we would get these videos back from Celtic Frost, Creator, Destruction, Sodom, they were always in black and white because we had the difference between PAL and NTSC. It's a different speed, basically. And they got these machines that could tape them, you know, tape to tape, but basically it wasn't in color. And we had the audio. So it made it look even creepier. And even though they sounded evil and like heavy and like satanic, it wasn't necessarily satanic. It was reflecting on the occult and it, it was never like pushy, like, you know, yeah. Like Venom was like at war with Satan and stuff like that. It was they never mentioned that. It was more like yeah, um, deeper, darker. You know, they're just videos, sinister. videos that look like yeah. a snuff film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I have to right say now? that's what I really like about Celtic Frost, though, is because they are they have that um, that uh, cast of darkness over their sound. But then lyrically, they're so creative. It's very poetic, actually. Yes, um, absolutely. And I know we talked about this at the Cryptopsy episode, how I think really good death metal lyrics are over in the face of really great musicianship sometimes and you know vocal performances. And I think Celtic Frost lyrics, especially on To Megatherion, I really like their, I love their lyrics. I think it's, um, it's a very like poetic way to express dark concepts. Um, and that's, you know, like, you know, as a writer and as a vocalist, I really appreciate, um, creative, creative lyrics and not just blood and gore and guts and Satan, you know, mm-hmm. and that stuff's cool too, but I, I like a little bit more, um, nuance to stuff. So, um, yeah. that's one thing I like about this album. Yep. Lyrics rule. Yep. A lot of people take them for granted. Yep. Especially, Very true. I like when they actually fit the songs too. When a guy has to play and sing at the same time, it tends to fit. And you guys talking about, you know, that you were young when it came out. But so when I first discovered music, I had my mom's album collection and, and the Beatles and stuff. And it, they had just broke up. And then, you know, by the time I was old enough to realize John Lennon died and I was hoping for a reunion. And it was just like I investigated the Beatles and the mysterious death of Paul McCartney and all that 
crazy hoax or whatever, whether it's true or not. And I even did a book report on it. And I used to be like, <laughs> okay, I like, you know, of course, help and the early stuff, but uh, Magical Mystery Tours, my favorite. She's like, that's the weirdo. And then to look at it, <laughs> like, years later, you know, how they must have, they only... They made their whole career in like seven, eight years. So many albums and recordings and it really threw people. They came, they started like a boy band, you know, like Take That or whatever. And they grew beards and became hippies and freedom. And I thought that was awesome. So that inspired me from a young age to see, you know, how they kind of took music. There weren't uh, PA sound systems big enough to support the amount of screaming people at the shows. And then there weren't enough channels and mixing desks to actually bring in the 15-piece orchestra that they wanted to do and breaking all the rules from the pop formula. And they just went against the grain. And that kind of inspired me as a kid. And, you know, I kind of always put that philosophy into Napalm Death, too. And, and Celtic Frost had that kind of feel as well. They, they broke ground. They were doing something no one else was doing it as many bands were and uh you know they progress so rapidly sometimes people just don't understand it so you know you gotta love what you do and yeah you know, even if you take flack for it you know I, that's the story of my life so <laughs> yeah no for sure it's funny you mentioning that i just watched some documentary where they took all the old footage of the beatles first coming to america and you know modern touring wasn't a thing back then so it's like okay what do we do we set them up on this tiny stage in the middle of this giant auditorium. Uh, everybody's just kind of around it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, the stage can support the band. Uh, you're on panties the started the dropping, dude. Panties yeah, started dropping. But yeah, yeah, to think about how professional touring changed so much from whenever that was in the early to mid '60s to even just like you know, yeah. post Woodstock '70s and all that, and think about. You know, I mean, it became like an industry, you know. I yeah. Mean, Prior to that, there were very few huge worldwide sensation like bands that were like touring the world, um, and then it became a viable industry. Um, who knows what it's going to be after this year? But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we're Fuck working from home. Yeah, we got pretty bunch of gigs now. Yeah, I you know, and then speaking of all of this let alone the future of live music. Did anybody get a chance to see them when they were still around? Talking Celtic Frost, not even the Beatles at this point. Oh, I was like, the Beatles, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, wait, I got to clarify that, yeah. No. no My mom I'm... saw the Beatles. No. Nice. Celtic Frost, I never I never got to see. I got the flyer, like, the next week when they played L.A. with, uh, I think it was Celtic Frost and Voivod, and I can't remember who else played. So we missed that show. No kidding. So fucking... I can't remember, but I had fuck of a show. Yeah, yeah. Fender's ballroom. I got the flyer and I was like, oh, I was like, we're going to LA. No, it happened last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never seen him either. I, it's weird because, like, after I heard this album, I mean, I, it's it was fine. I just wasn't it, like super into it. But then, I mean, I didn't listen to him forever. And then I think it was when Obituary covered Circle Tyrants. I was like, holy shit. But then the big one was when Sepultura did. Procreation, Procreation of, the Wicked. of the Wicked, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I know this song. What? Who did this song? So I looked on the liner notes. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I could, I mean, I think I had, like, Napster or something. I could fucking download it. And so I grabbed it, and, I mean, I fucking probably rocked that song for, I mean, it was probably my jam for at least, <laughs> at least that summer or whatever the fuck it was. I was so hooked on that shit. But, like, coming back, when I first listened to this whole album, I think by that time I'd heard shit like Demi Borgir and Emperor and, and the horns in it. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially the very first track. I mean, I was just like, oh, fuck. This is, oh, yeah. This is, you know, and then, you know, it's it's just like all of a sudden just all of this black metal stuff just makes all the sense in the world to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Venom made the name. These guys made the sound. Everybody just took those two things and ran like a motherfucker with it. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely like a benchmark. Bla- I know, like the last, like Cryptopsy, you're talking about like benchmark albums. I think this is like a benchmark black metal album. But even though it was like not, you know, it was very thrashy too to me. Like, I wouldn't yes. listen, like, if, from my understanding of what black metal is now, if I were to listen to black metal now versus this album, I'd be like, dude, this is a thrash metal album, you know? But, right. you know, True. it's, it started, it, it's, planted the seed i think so it's you know to me it's like a benchmark black metal album because of the ambiance of it and the um feel the concepts you know it was way dark you know and it was just great that fucking evil just that sinister fucking sound yeah the guitar tone yeah. on this too i think was pretty that, groundbreaking yes. i don't remember hearing anything well not remember but i haven't heard anything around that time that came out with that that guitar tone, you know? Um, and even vocally, like, you know, I love the vocals on this. I know like these days, like death metal vocals or metal vocals are super like guttural and just indecipherable. But I think vocally, I, I really love what Tom does. I, I love being able to hear somebody who can do heavy vocals that also enunciates and sounds evil, Right. you know, it's like really rare these days. Yeah. I like to hear the words if possible. That's not always the case, but you know, yeah, that's like opinions, you know, <laughs> for sure. I, it's that's about as extreme as it got to at the time. So to think, and that's the thing I always think. Like I, I always have to look at everything in a hindsight kind of sense because I came after all that was already happening. And so to think, what it must have actually been like to hear the you know evolution of say Lemmy being the most extreme thing in the mid seventies to then Kronos and Venom. And then you got Tom in Celtic Frost. And then you have the obituaries and the morbid angels, Napalm death, and then everything onwards. And where do you go from there? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, you get some theatrics, you know, going on a crazy image and a little bit of melody in there and boom. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Take off running. Um, and where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do when so. did, I mean, since he's on the show, I guess, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's for another episode, but when the fuck did Scum come out? What year was that? Not, I can't remember, dude, if it was 86 or what. My understanding. 80, I think yeah. it might have been 87 because yeah. I already had my demo from my band Righteous Pigs. And uh, when, I mean, I already had their demo, which was, well, they had demos before that, but the first demo I had was the A side of Scum. And I had that for like, you know, around the time, just after we recorded Righteous Pigs, I was like, oh my God, there's another band out there doing a similar thing. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, six months later, then Scum came out, they had the B side and the split lineup and all that. And then there was their addresses, the home address of each member and I actually wrote to Mick I sent him our demo he's like oh yeah we've been listening to this you know blah 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 let's do it you know I'm coming to Vegas and we did defecation and blah blah see that's when you reach out to somebody and before you know it you're working together it's crazy it it was a it was a small world in them days very few bands uh, playing that kind of music you know maybe four or five worldwide you know kind of pushing that boundary with the similar influences and uh 
so yeah, it wasn't there weren't many people to choose from, and it was really hard to find a good drummer willing to play fast. You know, I knew good drummers, but they didn't enjoy it. They weren't inspired by that shit. And Mick was like a the human tornado. So working with him was. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering because I was sitting there thinking about like time frame of all this stuff, and I'm just like, God damn! Like I'm trying to think of like more extreme than the thrash stuff that I knew as the heaviest stuff at the time when I was growing up. Cause I went from hair metal to thrash stuff and it was just like, Oh my God, this is like the heaviest thing ever. Yeah. And I, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute, man. Like I'm pretty sure scum came out like right around some of this stuff. And I think that was probably the fucking craziest thing I'd ever heard, but I'd never heard like repulsion or possessed or anything yeah. like that at the time. But repulsion was like demo stuff. You know, I had it. I liked it. There, you know, we had Terrorizer too. We had Master and uh, yeah, what was, and uh, what was the other thing? Um, Majesty, which was Oscar from Terrorizer's other thing, and we had uh, Slaughter, Slaughter from Canada with the Strapato, what became oh, the Strapato yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, I mean, that was it. It added something to the mix because it was more intense. You know, you had Cryptic Slaughter and Bearmocked, but very few bands playing fast. And uh, it wasn't all about fast. It was like having good slow parts. So there was a good dynamic there. Exactly. But the world, the world was too slow to react. Like in America, if you ask me, we couldn't find a fucking album deal. Like with nobody. Monty from Roadrunner wrote me back. He's like, dude, nice try, you know, but I don't think we can put Righteous Pigs out. I mean, it's a bit fucking meh, you know, but that's cool. But he wrote me back and that was down to earth. And yeah. we had, a, you know, Nuclear Blast Records. I think they had three or four bands at the time and they picked us up and, it was you had to go elsewhere to get shit out and repulsion might not have ever come out if uh i can't remember i know it was the guys from carcass they formed necrosis i don't know if it was bill and jeff or just jeff or them two and dig somehow had some ownership in it it came out through earache and it eventually mm -hmm. came out and saw the light of day which is cool because it's a classic band you know <laughs> yeah. what i have you to thank for that and the other napalm guys because without leaders not followers volumes one and two i wouldn't have gone down that rabbit hole and been like Oh, Repulsion, huh? Because that, that was the big song off of that first um, Leaders Not Followers, right? Everybody always talks about the, uh, uh, what is it? Baggots in your coffin, right? Like Yeah, one of many. I can't. I couldn't even remember the one we did because I like yeah. all, all of them, you know? It's like, exactly. Which yeah. one? Just one. <laughs> yeah, right? So, But then I, then I go down that rabbit hole and I see Back from the Dead by Death and I'm like, what album's that on? And then I have to go search out the demo. Yeah. And truth be told, ever since then, I've, you know, much to Jason's chagrin, I've been, a, I've really gotten into like the demos, everything <laughs> before all that, you know? The interesting Fucking point. Demo guy. The yeah. interesting point point about the demos of that that death demo back from the dead that um they had the drummer was eric uh, breathed bray and he was in hyrax at one point and he was oh, also yeah. but but he played he was a drummer on dirty rotten lp he's actually the brother of kurt bray breath or whatever the fuck from dri <laughs> so you know that's old school shit man and chuck just went from city to city finding people that would you know deal with his what probably seemed bizarre musical approach and uh, but it started out you know faster with blast beats and shit and then you know they progressed into what they did and inspired many bands so it was kind of cool to see the progression Absolutely. i loved it all yeah know. it was it's like hearing you and shane always talk about the tape trading days because that you know came way before i was around and just like it seems like such a romanticized period from my standpoint because it's a an important piece of history as far as networking and yeah. kind of establishing things from an aesthetic level, from a sonic level, 
kind of showing the promise of things to come. And, and I, and I think that's awesome. Now, I guess the closest thing would be trading MP3s back and forth of stuff in the works. Master, yeah. We don't Was trade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Torrents, trading torrents. I mean, yeah. back then, I mean, it wasn't that it was like, cause it was cool to do. It was almost like the only other way to hear and what's going on out there. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of tape trading, but mostly I was pushing the righteous pigs demo. So I would send the demo with a live soundboard and then, you know, say, Hey, if there's anything that you think I might like, send it over. And people would send me like, they sent me the Sepultura demos or some albums that they did or pentagram from Chile. And I was like, Oh shit. Or sarcophago. I mean, South America had a lot of interesting stuff. Mutilator. Absolutely. You're not going to hear these bands anywhere else or see them in a magazine or where, you know, I mean, shit. Yeah. yeah. So that was, you know, and, but, a lot of them never made it, you know, to the, to get an album out, which kind of, it's people lose interest and they move on, you know, they, they got a life shit. They get a job and they say, fuck it. And then years later, their band becomes popular. It's kind of right. sad that some bands didn't have the success, but you know, music was, uh, someone was going to break the boundaries and eventually make it okay for labels to pick up on the shit. But can we survive until then? You know, right. True. True. I think it's kind of interesting though, because um, at least from my perspective and, you know, I haven't been around forever or anything, but nowadays with so much digital availability of different types of music, I have to say there hasn't really been any bands or subgenres of metal or anything like that. That's really been like totally unique. I think, um, like I haven't really heard anything in a while where I'm like, wow, I've never heard this before. And maybe that's just because everybody's influence has access to all these different influences now, whereas back in the day, yeah, you had to trade tapes and you had to really um, create something that was very, a little bit more insular in terms of your influences or what you had access to or who you were able to communicate with. So I think back then it was like the sounds that were coming out in the eighties, late seventies, early eighties were totally unique, totally new, really, you know, groundbreaking because there was literally nothing before that that was like that. Whereas nowadays you can trace back all the influences that maybe a new band has or that they're coming out with because there's a, there's a uh, paper trail. There's a digital paper trail of like, okay, you know, I, I heard this on this or, you know, um, like a good example is like, what's the, the opening track on, um, to Megatherian, like innocence and wrath. I like the, the horns, you know, I can I hear it in annihil. I think it was an annihilation of the wicked, you know? And yeah. it's like, if someone's Even not familiar, yeah. Like if you're not familiar with Celtic Frost, you may think like, Oh, this is totally, this is so powerful. And this band wrote this part. And it's like, no, it's Celtic Frost, but you can like trace it back now. And you can hear all these influences that these bands have, and it's like, you know, going back to the OG sounds, where yeah. it came from. Everybody and- everybody has access to any band's 23andMe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But nobody you comes know- close. <laughs> no, not at all. No, you know yeah. what I think is weird is you talk about the tape trading thing and how it was kind of, if you talk to some of those guys, they talk about, you know, it was, it was um, camaraderie, like community almost. And... It was like that with with some file sharing. I I had the app or the program that I used to share after Napster went away and all that. It was a program called Soulseek, and it was basically like you open up your shit to someone else, and and they'll open up yours, or theirs. And That's what she just, said. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, so placed. it's indeed it's it's the backseat of of music. But the thing is, is like 
I'm surprised now because we all have access to so much fucking stuff. And I don't see a whole lot of it. Every once in a while on like some of the Facebook groups I'm in, every once in a while, but not that often, I don't see a whole hell of a lot of follow my playlist. Mm, that's true. Here, yeah. check out my playlist. Yeah. And, and not make a fucking 900 song playlist. Just make a fucking, you know, just make yourself a nice 16 to 20 fucking song playlist of shit that you dig and put it out there and see if, you know, and other people listen to it like, oh shit, I never heard that band before. They can find it themselves, but sometimes it's just easier to, to ask somebody or to be shown those bands, yeah. you know, and I don't see that a whole lot. It's, it's mostly like people just now it's like, oh, well, fuck it. It's almost like, well, you have the same access I have. Why don't you just fucking Google it? Uh, well, yeah, there's this I thing. think it's a go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say I think it's a curation thing because the platforms that we use to find out about music now automatically through an algorithm curate to us what our alleged taste is. So people have become like extreme consumers as opposed to seeking things out. For example, I grew up in the '90s, so this is prior to a lot of the internet-based stuff. So I still had to go to record stores. I still had. To to seek out music. So I, w- I grew up on, okay, in order to find out about new music, I have to buy magazines and read reviews. I have to go find those albums in the stores and then I have to make my own judgment. I didn't have anything that was like digitally curating like, oh, so you like, I don't know, Rollins band, you would like SOA, Black Flag, all these other bands, like automatically feeding me music. So I had to actively seek it out. Whereas now it's like, if somebody downloads, say on Spotify or or iTunes or whatever, a band, then, you know, through the algorithm, there comes four or five other albums from either that band or another band that's similar. And then the the consumer, the listener will just consume that. And that's the, that's, to me, that's the drawback of the digital age is that although we have like all this extreme access, we've become such consumers that we're no longer actively discerning what we actually like. We're just taking stuff in. I can't speak for everybody, but I just, you know, I think a lot of people just sort of passively acquire things and then, you know, listen and then they form their opinions as opposed to like, Hey, I really like this album. I have to actively seek out more stuff like this. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. It it was, it was fun. Like I, I remember, I know we're going way off topic, but I grew up in Michigan and I remember seeing the White Stripes the first, for the first time, like performing the first time live. Yeah. <laughs> and this was way back. And uh, I was like, what the, who are these people? I, could, I didn't even know the name of the band until like years later, somebody finally told me who they were. But I remember like, okay, who is this? And you know, what is this sound and having to like sift through flyers and then picking up flyers and trying to figure out what band it was and then listening to a whole bunch of, you know, music and going to the record store and like, Shazam. yeah, Shazam wasn't around. Yeah. I had my brain, but you know, it's just, I don't know. That's just my inference of the whole thing. I know I talk a lot of shit about the digital age. I, I think it's great in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways I kind of miss when things were like, intimate and special and different you know unique and now it's just like it's you know we're fed stuff and i think that's a lot of what goes on yeah no one even no one even decides what restaurant they go to they just get on this conveyor belt and just open their mouth and let all right. the food come in but yeah. i mean so yeah we were talking talk, about i was gonna uh, say something. ball <laughs> oh go ahead go ahead oh well yeah well there's this thing now called playlist brokering where they they'll brokering. curate well, you know, they basically they can um, 
take your band and basically manage your profile on Spotify or Pandora or whatever and build playlists and spread it around all day to get different playlists. And it's like sharing that. Oh, no shit. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a digital label aspect, but you still own your rights. And um, there's a lot of individuals doing that, but also some companies that are onto a new model like that. Blood Blast. Does it cost a lot? No, I mean, they take a percentage of whatever's monetized on... I mean, dude, you'll get a royalty from Spotify. It'll be like 35 cents for 120000 <laughs> Yeah, dude, whatever. Yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> but, I mean, no disrespect, but at the end of the day, if you can use the tool to get your music around and people can hear it and oh, try, yeah. try before you buy, then that's where we're at because the labels were like, at least we're getting something. I mean, the label yeah. gets more than the bands, and it's a bunch of bullshit, but at the end of the day, whatever gets the word around, it's still underground. It always will be. And um, the algorithm that, that uh, Lindsay was talking about is interesting. If, if you see a website that can make you let you log in with Spotify, that um, basically it just takes your entire user history of what you like and assumes what you like and, and knows what you might want to buy. Or, you know, it's like uh, just a, another sale, what, whatever they can push. They already know what you like. It's like, hey, you want to buy tickets to this event? You know, someone's playing somewhere. And it's oh yeah, kind of interesting how it's going. But unfortunately... You know, the creators aren't really benefiting from it, you know. But I could not listen to a rap song on fucking Spotify for a year. And in my fucking little release radar that comes out every Friday, there's always just tons of rap songs in there. Yeah, because you listen to one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I haven't, you know, it's like I go long periods without listening to it. Or, you know, classic rock or something. And it's like, it's it's really strange how that works. The reason I asked if it was expensive, because for like an up, you know, not even an up and coming band, just somebody that wants to put their shit out there and see what happens. I mean, yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it is. It's it, in a sense, instead of you pushing your shit, you're just paying some money for someone else to like, is it people curating it? Yeah. But I mean, they have a whole advertising campaign and, and a team no, of marketing right, people. Okay. And, and it's like, you know, I mean, shit, I could sit there all day trying to share my shit and only get five, oh, yeah. like, five likes, you know? So these yeah. people live and breathe it and, you know, they build their own esteem and they got their whole little, if they might have a clicky group or you know, they've been working on it for years. They're like, Hey, we're onto something here. We it's can like, really much music. It's a combination of, having connections and digital know-how. My office monkey day job, I'm a digital marketer, so I understand algorithms. It's all bullshit. But some of it is, I think, people who have connections with these, I guess you would call them, like, they're not influencers. I hate that word, but they're influencers, people who have a certain following, let's just say. Oh, yeah. And once you get, because we've sort of valued somebody's social media standing as, like, some testimony of their character, I don't know what the fuck's going on in this world, but right. let's say somebody has, like, 100,000 uh, Instagram followers, these companies and a lot of these PR people will tap those influencers. Hey, can you push this? Hey, can you, can you do this? And that gets it in front of a lot of people. And it's like, it's just connections. But then on the digital marketing side of things, the way, you know, if you know how to hack the algorithms and you know how to increase engagement, you know how to organically grow your shit, you don't have to necessarily hire people to do that. It just takes more time because you're kind of, you're, you know, you're doing it organically. It's like planting a seed and letting it grow. Um, or you can bypass that. Like, let's say you're a record company and you want to 
you want to have an ROI and have a return on your investment, you're going to like tap these companies with these people who have these inroads with these quote unquote, like influencers, or it's like press, you know, PR or anything like that. And I think, I think it's really important for bands. I'm just like going off on this weird tangent. I'm sorry. We're sitting here talking about Celtic Frost, but (laughs) I'm just saying, I think it's really important. Listen, I'm inside all day in fucking quarantine with no human contact. The minute I get to talk to anybody, I'm really stoked. The medalist is a great stop on the tangent train. (laughs) Yes. This is very true. I just wanted to say that I think it's important for bands, especially nowadays, to really get very comfortable and familiar with digital marketing and to not put money in the pockets of people who, you know, people like me, who uh, (laughs) know this stuff, how to do this stuff, because it's not complicated. It really isn't. You can learn this stuff online. You don't have to go to school for this uh, as my student loan interest increases. Um, Mm. And you you don't, it's not super complex. And I think if more bands were empowered to know, you don't have to be signed. You don't have to hire a PR person. You don't have to do the, you can do it yourself. It will take more time. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said on the last episode, I grew up in the hardcore scene. So I'm super DIY with stuff. I don't really necessarily trust like industry, but I think if you know how to do things yourself, you know, there's something to be said, like if you can expand your horizons and doing it yourself, you have a lot more control over it. Diatribe over it. I could keep going. Well, a big issue, a big issue of what you're saying is at some point, every band was their own marketer, (laughs) you know, and that's really what it comes down to is what's your fucking passion do you want to play music or do you want to be a fucking marketer? And most people don't. And so that's why managers get hired. That's why booking agents get hired. And that's why there's a business side of it is because most of the people that play in the bands don't want to do the business stuff. Right. But if you look at it now, like, I mean, it's obviously evolving. God knows where it's going to wind up. But the traditional model, like you're saying, managers, agents, labels, I think that model's done. I mean, okay, it's like... The DIY factor, okay, a band, for example, they have their own Facebook, their own Twitter, their Instagram, the label might be involved, but it's like they take a picture and they say, hey, great show tonight, guys. You know, they engage. The band does the press, the the band does the engagement, and it's like, and people like that because we're all people. So if you can engage with your audience on a human level, there's no rock star ego bullshit. They appreciate that. And if you don't engage with your fans or community, then someone they'll move on to someone that will and they get a kick out of it and so do i actually positive feedback is yeah. great trolls are funny as fuck <laughs> ignore that well, whenever possible because as soon as you give them an inch they'll take you a mile and fucking there's there's a lot of bands out right now and that's and everybody's trying to do the same thing so when you have it was the same thing in the fitness industry man like when you're a dime a dozen what's going to get you you know what's going to get this person to listen to you over this other person and it's it's not your product it's you they they have to love you and i can't tell you how many times because like with the medalist instagram like been you know been trying to figure that out to get it built up but we follow a lot of a lot of bands and you can tell the ones where it's like someone in the band that's running that page and when it's like label or something (laughs) label or they have a social media person that's doing it and i definitely prefer when it's just one of the you know one of the band members it's it's more human you know and it's uh it is way more engaging and it's it's just more real i hate using that word but 
it it is more real, you know. And that's the same shit as going to a fucking punk show or a hardcore show, and you know you're out fucking sitting in the alley having a fucking smoke, dude. And like you look over, and the fucking band guys are like loading in the gear, you know. Yeah. Versus going to the big arena, like back in the day, I went to like a Kiss concert in Salt Lake City or something, you know. And, you can't even get to the area where they're loading out. And I mean, and then when you do, it's just these big buses and like a shitload of people and you like never see those guys. Yeah. Right? I guess no, it could go both ways. I mean, like you can have those bands that are really accessible and you like them because they're accessible. Um, or you have those bands that just have mystique and that's what their appeal, like one of their one of the aspects of their appeal is is their mystique. The you untouchables. Know? Uh, the untouchables. I think like Mashuga is one yeah, of those yeah. bands where mm-hmm. it's just like, the mystique is a part yeah. of the experience. They just seem like gods. They're Where bigger the fuck than you know. Are their amps? <laughs> Why are there no amps what? on the stage? I mean, some fucking guitar coming from. Some people say, "Oh, this guy's a dick," or "This guy's an asshole" in the industry. But some people are actually shy and yeah. very personal. Yeah, or just have a different set of social skills and just you know, very private people. So, I mean, they could have had a bad night. Oh, yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, you get to know these people. Like, I've toured with bands that I've heard things about, and they're all good fucking people, man. It's yeah. just trippy. You know, some of them are highly recognizable, and they, they can't go anywhere without getting interrupted. But it, at the end of the day, man, when you're we're out all there... Just, we're just big nerds. I mean, I wish we could all just drop the cool <laughs> shit. I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, all the people that some I've met... Some of us, all, yes. All the, all the fans, we're just a bunch of big nerds, okay? We like music, we listen to metal. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I'm very self-deprecating well, as you know. So when but. you were say, when you were I'm saying right like the whole like mixing of things, right, and like the the DNA of of a band, right? I feel like right around the time new metal came out, one thing that new metal did was it opened up the floodgates of like you know what we can fucking combine anything with metal. Yeah. And so there's only so many things that you can combine. And the thing is, is like once we all get further out, I mean, it's going to become harder and harder to come up with things that are unique. And I think what you'll you'll end up one thing that I love about not trying to get too far away from Celtic Frost, but <laughs> a, a band like Greta Van Fleet or whatever the fuck that band, the, the Led Zeppelin ripoff band. Uh-huh. <laughs> one reason a band like that succeeds so fucking hard, and like all this synthwave stuff that's coming out, dude, it's somebody that wants that sound they shouldn't only be able to get that sound from something that's 50 years old they should be able to get that fucking sound from something that's new you know and not have to listen to it that way people that miss that boat they want to see it and feel it like it was in the old days like with the orange amps and there's a lot of sabbathy bands and like no disrespect but it's like i'm always looking for something new and there's only so many uh combinations but what's metal is distorted guitars basically and that basically made it into every kind of music damn it even rihanna uses it now so it's but it's uh you hear a song on the radio that has real drums and it's very few i mean you might have percussion on top and uh if there's not a gimmick or a super catchy tune with a million dollars put behind a band to force these radio stations to play shit then people won't hear it until it's stuck in your head enough and it will evolve oh, but yeah. you know after a while everyone uses the same sample packs and the same drum sounds and the same plugins and the same amps and shit i mean one thing that i like about brave the cold is that the influences span from everything that was great about the late 80s and a few a little ways into the 90s and then there's like you know a futuristic approach because i like all kinds of like modern even pop music so it's in there but a lot of bands these days don't have those influences so you don't really it just won't 
come across like that. So it has a little bit of everything. It's fun and it's exciting and there's a theme behind the lyrics. So that was yeah, one and I love fun. I love the video that you guys just put out um, for Hallmark of Tyranny, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of. Well, I can't remember the band, but there was a band that put out like a series of like almost like claymation videos in the nineties. You know, what was tool? it? Was it Tool or was it Primus? <laughs> no, Primus had a couple. Primus videos. did it. So did Tool. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's what it reminded me of. Sorry, that's cool. Me. No, no. <laughs> you're, the pri- you're the me- the metal Primus. No, no. We used to love I, that shit coming home from a club at four in the morning oh, and watching fuck. Tool videos and say, "God, I wish we could do that one day." Well. I went out of my way and I got it done. And, yeah. And, that, yeah. and somehow it just can, it seems like it was made for the video, even though it was from an existing video that the 70 year old director gave me permission for, who was very hard to track down. <laughs> and it's a labor of love. You know, you do these things and you reach yeah. out to people. And, oh, sorry, but that the, the Hallmark Attorney uh, video is different. I'm talking about Blind Eye, which was released yesterday. Oh, right on. Okay. But, nice. uh, yeah, the guy who did the Hallmark of Tyranny video, the info's on the link. He's basically directing He-Man Masters of the Universe for Netflix. So to nice. track him down was hard, and he was like, man, thanks for your <laughs> earnest response. You know, yes, you have permission. Go ahead, man, good luck. And Fuck to me, yeah. it feels like Pink Floyd, The Wall. As a kid, I always wanted, that was the first album I ever bought with my own money. And uh, I just imagine one day making a visual album instead of just a bunch of thrash around the stage, video, stage diving, whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. I was going to actually right. ask, the um, the cover art for Brave the Cold reminds me of that one scene in Plink Floyd the Wall. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's talking about his dad being in World War II or whatever, and all the dudes have the gas mask and whatnot. Mother, I think. Yes, that's right. Yep, yep. Because he says it like five times in the song. I'm just remembering that now. It's been it's been a minute since I listened to The Wall. Listening, um, listening to Brave the Cold like really kind of caught me in a weird spot because I've been hearing a lot of like the old school, the new old school death metal stuff. And it's really strange to me because I was listening to your album and I was like, man, it's like right in the middle. There's all these old things that remind me of when I was a kid listening to all kinds of metal, but there's like this new, it, it, there's a newness to it. That's cool. No, it's definitely not for the sake of it. I wasn't like, Hey, let's make yeah, a total it old, just, old school record. It, it really, happened. And I was like, dude, really do it like, with me. like that. Some <laughs> Celtic frost punches there, do this, you know, and it was fun, yeah. man. It was like a tribute to me, but again, it still has its own thing, which is yeah. rare. I mean, I just, yeah. I would never be able to say, oh, it's just old school because it's, it's like, you know, you go back to the roots. No, fuck that. There's something new there, hopefully. And it, it sounds fresh. It, it's difficult, man, to produce that kind of music. I mean, fucking A. Logan Mater did a great job on the mix. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shout it was out him. Really cool sounding because it really is just like fucking with me for a minute. I'm just like, wait a minute. What's happening right now? It's, it is like listening to some of those, even some of those old school death metal bands. I mean... You're listening to the sound that reminds me of when I first heard death metal, but I know that this is new shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. wait a minute. Or the vocals think- are completely different, or there's something in there. And that's what it reminded me of. And then the fact that, like, you did, you touched on so many different bases. Yeah. Even within one song. I was just like, okay, dude, like, this is. Fucking, yeah. yeah, that's really cool shit, man. I oh, dig it. Thanks. Well, one thing vocals can do is that it's like the music might remind you of this, that, and the other, but then the vocals remind you of that, this, and the other, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, that's a combination. And people start picking influences out, and I'm like, yeah, do some kind of, but not really. <laughs> right, right. 
It's yeah, still- I think I think what I like most about it, because I remember, well, I heard it like last year um, before it came out, and I remember just listening to it thinking like, man, this is, I felt it was just kind of like next level stuff because there were so many different elements to each of the songs. Like it wasn't just like, okay, I can hear like the old school death metal thrash influence here. I was just like, wow, there's a lot, there's so many different pieces that are going into each song that it felt like it was like a whole new avenue um, that you were going with musically. That's why I was so taken by it. I'm like, cause usually like if I listen to a, a metal song or a thrash song or a grind song, I'm like, okay, I know this is definitively what this is. Whereas I think everything right. with Brave the Cold just like melds together so well that it does feel like a completely new experience. Um, if that makes sense. And I was like, wow, I was like, it like fucking blew my mind. I remember I was like, this is like next level, bitch. This is amazing. And I wasn't like, it was no hyperbole because I was like, my mind was like literally blown. I'm like, I've not, I haven't heard anything that was like put together like that before. Um, cause you know, cause you can usually pull out different influences from different bands, like put stuff together. But I was like, you can't really, I couldn't pull anything out and be like, okay, here's this. And here's this. It just all fit together really well. I'm like, this is amazing, but I, oh, I love it. You. Yeah. It's more than just melding different genres. It's different eras. Wow. And that's what I thought was really cool about it is I'm get, I get this old and new vibe from it and not just the old vibe. Like when I listen to gate creeper, I get the old vibe back to Celtic frost. Uh, one of the songs on brave, the cold monotheist. Ah. I know I got that too. I was Fuck like, hey, yeah. Yeah. Very I, awesome. I mean, back to, to Megatherion, like when you listen to God, so, so I, you listen to like circle tyrants or even, I think it's, fainted eyes if i remember right they're pretty fast and i mean especially in 85 it's it's pretty fast and heavy stuff but man then you listen to something like donna megado it's almost like a fucking crowbar song yeah yeah oh yeah but that like, is slow heavy and oh yeah dude you it's, know mid mid-tempo fasty stuff it's mm-hmm. like jesus did they invent sludge too like they covered all the bases <laughs> what apparently. didn't this album <laughs> influence you know it's like it influenced yeah everything you know it's fuck i mean yeah for me i mean to megatherium that intro you know we keep talking about the horns i've been trying to reproduce some that something like that since 92 on the first meat hook seed i did it in a napalm intro i did it it's there's some in monotheist there's some in uh dead feed just the moments man we're supposed to have that oh you know not uh necessarily vocally but i want the horns and it's fucking impossible to do man the guitars are so loud and the, everything's max velocity where do you, right. how do you get the horns in there so it's never as heavy as what they do they had a real orchestra and just i don't know how they mixed it but it was perfect so yeah. you know and the monotheist it was like yeah obviously it's a very famous celtic frost term to me it wasn't a ripoff it was a tribute and it was, mm-hmm. you know, again, another point on, you know, the control religion has over whatever. No disrespect to religion. Whatever works for you, man. It's like, I'm not going to fight anybody off. It's good and bad. But, you know, the lyrics have that aspect about it, if you look into it. And, you know, there's Celtic Frost. The ending of it's got a, a Celtic Frost kind of feel. It's not never note for note. It just has that moment. But then the intro of it sounds like something off Scream Bloody Gore or freaking yeah. uh, Leprosy. And, and the vocals kind of jump between here and there. And one thing that I like when I'm... I, I usually find myself in a similar position when I do albums outside of Napalm is that, what the fuck do you call this? 
Like, yeah, yeah, obviously the name of the band and the app, that's Brave the Cold, dude. No, but if people can't classify it, are you ready to brave the cold? If you can't, you put it into a category, it's grindcore. Like, Mm -hmm. I said something like, I don't know, brutal death or brutal hardcore death grind. And someone was slating me for it the other day. Like, that's not fucking brutal death metal at all. It's like, say, call it Metallica fucking rap band. It's like, this is thrash and black metal at best. But hey, man, I do love the stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you know, by the way, you know, God, you look tired and you gain weight, but your new album's killer. So, yeah, killer. Thanks, buddy. But what Compliment do you do? sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> we'll it's go. like, yeah. you, sorry, one more thing. You, you call yourself grindcore for a second and all of a sudden it's grindcore and that album that was grindcore. And then you progress and people are like, that's not grindcore. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. well, who makes the rules here? So categorization and genres is all out of horse shit. It's like, if it doesn't stand out and feel like it's own baby, then what is it? But people feel highly uncomfortable not being able to scratch shit. They'll be like, oh, the vocals sound like Fear Factory and Devin Townsend and Creator. I'm like, really? I mean, is that the only band you've ever heard with clean singing in your life? Right, yeah. I think people just reference what they're familiar with, and it may remind them of something, but it may not actually be what you were going for. But, I mean, that's what I was saying about the meld of everything. It's like, yeah, there's a lot going on, but it comes together to create something new. And I think that's, like, what we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's come out in the last few years, I can, like, distinctly go back to what they're trace back their influences because it's easy to pick it apart. But like with brave the cold, it's like, I was like, so floored by it because I couldn't like just pull out, at least for me, I couldn't just pull out like, okay, here's this, here's this, here's this. It was like, this is like, you put a lot into it, not just influences, but sounds like a lot of different sonic experiences and textures and, and then became this whole new thing, which is like very rare these days, you know, there's not a lot of that going on. And I think that, you know, like you said, it makes people uncomfortable, especially metalheads. I mean, let's be real here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, right. I'm into grindcore. Well, I'm into black and death grind. It's like an identity as opposed to, you know, like yeah. I am well, black and so- death grind. In regards to genres, I mean, you definitely have the fucking people that take it to the extremes, but one thing I've always thought with genres is there's a huge difference if you just say I like metal and someone's like, well, cool, I like ACDC too, but you like Cannibal Corpse. Like, there's a lot of fucking room between those two bands, right? But you do have what me and D-Lo always call blanket genres, so things like metalcore. A lot of shit can happen in metalcore because it's not something, you know, and then deathcore is a lot of different things. And it's kind of like these genres where it's like, it's not super niche. There's not a really specific sound. Punk mm-hmm. is a pretty specific sound. Um, but even then, you can, fuck, yeah. you can fuck with it. And then you, but someone has to name it. You know, like that's the big thing. If you're going to, I don't know. I, I do uh, think that it becomes, for one, it's a marketing tool big time. And, you know, yeah, but you do have things like grindcore where it's like, yeah, I mean, you could just be whatever. And then again, that's how it should be. And then you have some asshole that's like, fuck, oh, well, that's not fucking grindcore anymore. And it's like, those are the people you kind of have to ignore. Well, I mean, you still got to love what you do. And if someone's right. going to, if, if people are going to argue over what it is, then you're onto something. <laughs> if, awesome. Yeah, at least I'm talking about you. If you don't challenge the listener, then it's not extreme anymore. If you get what you expect and you're trying to make the same first album 15 times over, you know, some right. people love that. Yeah. Some people are successful doing that, but I don't know. Our, my taste is too varied to settle on one thing. And if this music doesn't progress to something, then what's the fucking point, man? You know? True. Absolutely. 
Oh man. Um, sorry. I was enjoying that conversation a little much. I forgot I was here. <laughs> I, um, to bring it back. You lost track of time. Zero, <laughs> I was just like, sorry. I was just like, wow, this is all really gold. Experience a little bit. Just... Yeah. No, I was just, yeah, I love podcasts and I love music. So when you talk about music <laughs> on a podcast, even if it's the one I'm on, um, bringing it back to Megatherion real quick. Does everybody oh, is that have... what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought this was about digital marketing and genres. I don't know. Oh, man. Eh, tomato, tomato, to Megatherion. Um, I have to think Celtic, of something to Celtic. call this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but does, does everybody have a favorite song? I do. I definitely have a favorite song. Um, well, okay, so this is... All right, so my favorite song is... My first favorite song, it's a tie. It's just because it makes me laugh every time I hear it. And it's a great song, but Necromantical Screams. Mm. Um, it's one <laughs> of my favorites because of the screams in the background or right. <laughs> the high-pitched screams in the background. I think it's awesome, but I remember the first time I heard it, I thought it was like, what? <laughs> but I think it's great. Um, it's just so theatrical, and it's like, it's just so fucking over the top that it, it has to be one of my favorite songs. Um but I would say that Dawn of Meggio is probably my favorite one. Yeah, that's mine too. Okay, high five, virtual yep. high five. Digital high five. All right. Yeah. Cool. Throw my hand in there because that's my favorite also. <laughs> oh, man. Some some days it's not. I mean, it, you know, it's it's usually either. I mean, Dawn of Meggio, most of the time, the Usurper jumps in there too because the Usurper is yeah. just fucking heavy. It's not one of the faster songs, but it's. I don't, there's something about that one that at times, man, just, I'm just like, I have to hear this fucking song, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Cause you can like hear the DNA of so many bands coming off of that. And that whole run between Donna Megado, eternal summer and circle of tyrants is oh, that's, yeah. that's a block and a half right there, you know, for an album that's already great all the way through, but those three songs in particular. And it's just funny cause it's obituary covered circle of the tyrants. Right. Yeah, and it's just like you can hear how they got their sound so much in just that one song. I was just like, oh man. But that necromantical screams that reminds me. I mean, straight up, it's like, okay, well, that's where Cradle of Filth got it from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it's so over the top, but and it makes me yeah. laugh. But it makes me laugh because it's cool. Like it's just it's so it's just so fucking there. They just went there. You know what I mean? And you have to love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because if anybody else these days did that with those kinds of screams in the background and they weren't being like ironic, it would be ridiculous. But I think it just works because they were the first and it's just, it's so fucking over the top. Yeah. Somebody oh, yeah. had to originate it. Do you have a I particular... Just, I think we just lost Mitch. Oh, really? Let's see. Maybe it's the uh, Mercury and Retrograde thing working in our favor, actually, with the uh, time limit. God. Man, you, know? you are not speaking my language, dude. <laughs> there, were, there was a conversation off mic while you were uh, getting your stuff figured out. We talked about Mercury, oh, Retrograde, sure. and, and Serial. What? Listen, I know what that, oh, I'm <laughs> sure shit is. You're so, because Lindsay's on. She's talking about Mercury Retrograde. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen. Listen, this is a phenomenon that affects people for real. This is not something I made up. Here's, you, you and know, Jason laughs. Hey, you know it's okay. You know what's funny is I've known you for almost 20 years, 
and you are literally the same ass that I met 20 years ago. <laughs> no way, dude. I'm way nicer than I used to be. <laughs> I remember the first time I met you was backstage. I think it was like, it was either at a difficult Henry show or after I Matted. It was at our first I Matador show. Yeah. And yeah. like, like you were cool and stuff, but then like the more like we started hanging out, like you were always debating me about something. I'm like, why are you always debating me about stuff? Like, can we just chill? I just want to drink, man. Yeah, Jason's a debater for sure. Yeah, a mass debater. You were like, you were born debater. to do podcasts. Uh-oh. Seriously. <laughs> no, I was a lot worse than now. I don't bother because I just don't fucking care. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. I. I, I I mean, I didn't then, but I mean, I just, I got a kick out of like, Riley people know. up. Yeah. Well, actually <laughs> I got a kick out of like asking the questions that to get people to rile themselves up. <laughs> Dude, you and Brett. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's still, that still goes on. Oh yeah. As much as I try to avoid it, it still goes on. Like, yep. I, it, like it went down like just the other night. Like we were literally just talking about power ballads and trying to rank them, and it got Ooh. all heated and shit. Like it just happens. Over power ones. ballads, come on. That that, that just makes <laughs> it even better. It just happens, man. Like I'm telling you, it's oh, it's hilarious. very strange. But I'm telling you, dude, still of the night, blah blah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was like, well, what makes it a power ballad? Now we got to have this fucking conversation. It's like, Jesus, dude, like it doesn't matter. And let's see. Join let's me. Just, that's just like, let's just listen to all the power ballads. For sure. And that's literally what we did. Like we sat there for well, White fucking Snake had hours. White Snake had been on that list, right? Oh, yeah. Is this love? Fuck. Forget oh, yeah. about it. It's like is one that going to be guitar solos ever. Is that going to be an episode at some point? Oh, White dude, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. White Snake? Or I guess that too, but White I was just going to say power ballads. power ballads. Power yeah. ballads, for sure. Fuck yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Welcome to 2020 here. Yeah. How are we doing? Hell uh, sorry, yeah. we, did, we missed you at some point. I was actually going to ask you uh, if you had a favorite song or songs on the Two Megatherian album. Necromantical! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a recurring theme. Screams! Oh, oh yeah. Screams! <laughs> Awesome. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> there's, a there's a killer sniper in there. With the fucking horns again. So, yeah, I'm with the female vocalist. Come on. It's on. Break the rules. Do it. Yeah. It's there's, too bad you guys can't play music on the show because I really just want you to isolate that yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what we do is we just kind of replicate the song with our mouths. It's, yeah. it's fun, too. We Beavis and Butthead it. Um, but uh, it's just funny too. Like again, I talk about you know going through the DNA of bands, and we talked about obituary in Circle of the Tyrants. I definitely, I only just recently found out Scum was influenced in part by Celtic Frost, and so that makes so much sense. in you know, listening to Usurper with that context and Jewel Throne, um, and all the way to this day, I would assume, right, as far as the writing of Napalm, there's a little bit of. Celtic Frost and Hellhammer still in the DNA somewhere in there at the very least. Yeah, it was never our sole influence. I mean, we've really spent off the board of our favorite shit. So, oh, for so sure. Kind of a big part of it. You know, a lot of people didn't take it seriously at the time. 
with that. Yeah. But, um, uh, others lived and breathed it. You know, I love what Obituary did with that approach. Those guys are dear friends of mine. I think they came close, closer than anybody to getting it. But with their own thing, man, you know, John Tardy's got a totally unique voice. The drums for everything about it. It's got that feel, but it's still Obituary, you know, so that's cool. But, exactly. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. So I love it all, man. Same. Absolutely. That, that's the, the whole mission statement behind the show is we try to cover the gamut. Even if it's something we're not particularly interested, we're still going to explore it just because there's something to be talked about and try to, you know, give credit where credit's due in the whole grand scheme of, of what we like. And you said it, because we, we say it all the time, what is metal? It's anything with distorted guitars to a degree, right? So... We're all about or it. even acoustic, man. You know, yeah, fade to black. I love True. it. True, like, absolutely. I remember as a kid thinking, "This is classic rock," and one day it's going to be on KUNV, the classic rock station. And, yep. and actually, now it's which is ultimately yep. fucking thirty-five years later. Yep. <laughs> uh, I won't hear on a classic rock station. <laughs> you know, That's but all good. you never know. Yeah. Um, Here's, a and, Here's a question. So. Shoot. I, I, I heard, uh, I really love Alice in Chains, for example, and I, I love Jerry Cantrell. He was a huge influence on me. I play a little guitar, but I learned, I grew up learning how to play Alice in Chains and Boggy Depot songs from his soul album, but yeah. he actually considers Alice in Chains to be a metal band. Oh, yeah. And they are, totally. Yeah. And I never really yeah. thought about it, but then, like, listen, like, yeah, they're fucking heavy. Like, they're, you know, distorted guitars, just mm-hmm. brutal delivery. I mean, great vocal harmonies. But I always, I always thought it was weird that Alice in Chains and Soundgarden were considered grunge bands and not like metal bands, because I never understood why people can't just un- like get the idea that grunge can be a form of metal. Right. Mm-hmm. I've that- always thought it's the same thing. Yeah. It's in that metal a headbanger's journey. It's got its own episode. I don't remember which, but it's in the ten or eleven or whatever that it is. Yeah. Now in traditional metal, absolutely, Alice in Chains is the more like just traditional metal out of all of those bands for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, Most definitely. But yeah, but I, I mean, it's also it's non traditional as well because the, with the vocal harmonies and the approach. I mean, they probably. Right. I mean, they benefited from being roped in with the grunge thing, but they also felt probably beyond that. I mean, they were probably inspired by just like Queens, like, you know, the first Seattle metal band that the world kind of got to hear. Right. Oh, yeah. And, um, For sure. Then, you know, like, Ben Lurie Records became sort of part of this little clique, which was like, wasn't just for our course, a little bit of everything maybe, but it's, sometimes it's hard to get rid of that. You know, like, it's like, oh, well, we're all thing. Like, when I first heard somebody out of the love, I was like, oh, man, it's kind of awesome. I'm drumming, like, what's that one at? Like, three fours, and, and there's a static thing that is something different, and he's, like, basically screaming his head off, and it's like, oh, it's rock. It's, I would like all the metal, because the guitar's more less distorted, but you know, a lot of punk bands started out with less distortion, and as soon as they used the martial so they got to metal now to be punk. It's like, okay, you got to do what you love, and then somewhere in the vault is super unknown, and, uh, you know, black old sun. It's like that's totally unique, but it's a little bit of everything. And alternative became a word. <laughs> and it's like you, you can't get far enough from these classifications or as the band. You know, at the end of the day, whatever gets your message across, just fucking roll with it, man, and, uh, and progress as you go. Yeah, yeah exactly, Ab- absolutely. Um, 
Is there any other ground you want to touch on as far as that goes with, with the Tomegatherion album before moving on? Um, Not really. I mean, my, my top five was Innocence of Wrath, The Usurper, Jewel Throne, Circle, Tyrant's Necromantical Screams. You know, that, that one really left me always wanting more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the album from start to finish is just awesome. So there's very few records you can like start to finish and appreciate every aspect of it. And that's why it should be an all game of some sorts, you know. But it's, again, it's hard to talk about one man because the world is so buried and uh, upside down right now. Absolutely. Um, Lydia, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, I was just saying I didn't have anything else to add to that, but I think I we're having. Say, uh, oh, go ahead, yeah, Jason. Yeah, I think we're, we're having, having some, some audio, audio problems. <laughs> we were like, we were like hanging on to the edge of our seat listening to what you were saying, and then we're like collectively like, we can't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. So we might, I don't know if it's like, um, like uh, if you need sorry. to reconnect. Which is funny because it sounded like for a second yeah. here, it might actually be better. <laughs> Oh, wait, are you back? I think we can hear you better now. Uh, Zoom has a thing after 45 minutes, it just goes haywire. Oh, right, right, right. Huh. If, I, if I stop it now, I'm going to have to, it's going to have to process all the audio and whatnot, and who knows how long that'll take. Uh, Is there a way so to. What? We should just. What? Let's just scream. Scream? <laughs> 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 sort of scream. Yeah. I told you it was Murphy retrograde, Jason. <laughs> oh my God! Here we go. Here goes the can of worms. Listen, it's a it's a it's a phenomenon. The planets have gravitational pulls; they affect us. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying um, science. So should we have? <laughs> should we like? I guess we all shouldn't hop off. Unless. Yeah. If it's the connection. Yeah, if it's not too much trouble, could we maybe have you try to log back off and then try to jump back in? Oh, and there he goes. Yeah. yeah let out your frustration, but not on a person for no reason. Yeah, and it was, exactly. it was bad brains. They're singing about positive mental attitude and all oh, this. Oh, man, all night. the bad brains? Shit. Yeah. And like, it, and it was always like towards the end. It was, it was, hey, now the, it's the big finale. Here's the big last part. And then somebody gets too wild and. Yeah, that was a weird way to finish that show. I got a free poster, though. Um, so, Jason, I was telling these guys we could wrap up the album talk and then just talk about what they're doing now and close cool. it out like that. So, Lindsay, you have a debut album. It's debut solo album. Or I guess it's an EP, I should say. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, call, is, what's the proper pronunciation? Because like, I saw it's a very short word, but it said it was Norwegian pronunciation. Yeah, it's Zivan. Okay. Uh, it means water. Um, yeah. So like, it's a, it's just an EP that I, I put out. I have a larger or full length album that I'm working on right now. That's going to be with live instruments and live human beings playing those instruments. Um, right. but it's definitely a conceptual piece. Um, I've been a writer for a really long time and I have a book that is kind of the music's kind of based off of. And I, I wanted to, I always wanted to put uh, my writing to music or music to my writing, whatever. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where the whole idea came from. Um, but the, the full length I'm working on right now probably will be out sometime next year and it's similar style, but it's definitely, uh, going to be a lot heavier because there will be like distorted guitars and live drums. And it was fun. I never done an electronic album or anything like that before. So it was, uh, 
an interesting experience. I'm glad it's over with. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I thought that it was cool that you had an accompanying video for each uh, song, right? Yeah. And um, what's the story with each of those? I was intrigued by that because they all looked like <laughs> they were different locations, different people. So without getting all foofy in my, my writing stuff, basically the whole concept of the album is about water. So mm. water and, and reflecting on things from the past. So um all of the the videos have some component of uh, water or the character of this of the video is a, a, a character in the song. Um, but I, I have this weird little love and obsession with Russia. So a lot of the uh, characters in the videos, they're Russians. Like they have the video of Russian dancers for the assailant. Mission Bay is a, a Russian like boxer guy. And I just wanted to kind of capture the mood of the songs with the videos. Um, you know, I think it's, I think the visual component of music, if any, is really important as well, because it completes the whole story, at least for me, especially when it's something really subtle, like electronic down-tempo music. I, I didn't think it was substantial enough just to have the songs and the lyrics. I wanted to actually have the visual part of it too. So I'll probably do the same thing for the full length. I'm probably going to have a video for each song, just so it's a little bit more like cinematic and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, kind of a it's an extension of my writing but i wanted to put it to song so that's kind of where the whole thing came from yeah it turned out awesome the videos turned out awesome i look forward to seeing that concept expanded on more um and of course i gotta say that it's awesome that you name one of the songs mission bay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah man i i heard i i first listened to it just on my phone and i was like man this is so weird then i heard it in my car and like the shit fucking drops hard i was like holy fuck yeah right all right wasn't expecting that there was a whole different like element that i was missing just listening to it on my phone yeah yeah i wanted it to be um really bass heavy and just like big heavy beats you know and um Again, the, the full length kind of takes that and expands on it with live music, live instruments. So I just wanted to do something that was a little bit more uh, sentimental and intimate than just death metal. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes with death metal, I feel like you can, when you start to infuse a lot of different like emotion into it, it kind of, I don't know, you, it's not really the right platform for me for that. So I wanted to create something completely different so I could capture a different feeling. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's awesome. More power to you for it. Thanks. And then, Mitch, you have not one but two releases within a month span of time between Brave the Cold and Napalm Death. Um, awesome. I I understand that was all done over a length of time, though, right? Yeah, both albums were done recorded around the same time, and uh, I'm sure Napalm started before I did, like with the drums or whatever. But um, so yeah, that was like two years ago. And this music industry is upside down. I could not find a label. I mean, I spoke with other people. We had a few offers, but, you know, uh, Mission 2 came to, into the picture about four months ago. And we finally got a deal going, and, and they put out, and it happens. And then all of a sudden, your napalm is coming out, too. And I'm like, great. You know, wow, two years, yeah. and they both come at the same time. So, yeah. Um, interesting i mean it's a lot to take in for anybody i mean there's a lot of shit going on between the two albums and i'm you know i was happy to go to england and play under what shane had written i decided to save my material so i could do my own stuff because when i started doing vocals on it i i felt like there was room for something new and it was actually time for something new mm -hmm. so yeah so i did both 
I wanted to help my friends through a transition. Um, also reached out to the community that was wondering that I fell off the face of the earth and, you know, get back to work. I lost both my parents, which is why I came here within three years. And um, yeah, it was hard, but I also was just so glad to be here when they needed me. No regrets and, you know, get back to, I mean, I've always been writing here, here and there, but, you know, uh, Dirk basically, I sent him a bunch of songs, even if he played a couple, you know, and uh, he chose 12 songs. Um, it's not like I'm going to say, hey, who has time to do an entire record and start a new band? But I was like, well, you really want to do the whole thing? So <laughs> we worked on those songs. And uh, I went to L.A. And we did the drums in four days, and I took it home to Vegas and did guitars and did bass at home and then started finishing all the vocals, and, and uh, it went from there. So yeah, but just been sitting on it. Really, I did a bunch of videos. I did six, seven. Actually, I did eleven, but I have approval for seven videos. And again, like Lindsay said, I mean, these days you could say, "Hey, did you check out that new album?" Or they're like, "Let me see it." It's like, right? Yeah. If they can't see it or see something, and and most people are listening like on the phones, you know, yeah. and spending thousands of dollars on recordings and no one gets to hear the real deal anymore. So it's cool. There's someone on CD press or if people can hear in the car, at least, you know, it's like to feel the power and the bass was important to me. I love, mm-hmm. that's one of the things I love about self Frost to put an end to that discussion. It's got the best bass sound that metal's ever heard. Really, right. it's super full. That's what makes it happy. They're tuned to eat. E, you don't need to tune oh, G or yeah. A or B or C. It's like fuck because of the bass. I saw Deftones once uh, at Rock and Rio in Vegas, and it was super fucking windy, and the, the guitars just kind of blow away in the wind. Mm-hmm. And the bass was so heavy, my cheeks were rattling. I was like, that's fucking heavy. Yeah, yeah, bass for is sure. Heavy. You know, that's what people love about rap or whatever. Saying if you can't feel it, you know, it's not all about guitars anymore for me. I mean, Jay, I mean, it's cool, but. Yeah, it's cool to branch out. I mean, obviously, maybe we didn't branch out away from guitar that much on Break the Cold, but there's other tracks that are to be on EP, which will come out probably next year. Oh, cool! It was like too bar- too too varied for the album. Okay. It might have been like in the avant-garde. I mean, as if you weren't confused enough, it's like what the fuck? Now I really don't know what to call this. In fact, I don't know if I like this. But you know what? That's what I like about music. So push it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, then you know, thanks for listening for a sec. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, and the napalm album was super intense, man. It was like, I don't know, we recorded like 24, 26 songs, some covers. And it was, I think we, I, keep, I was only there for a week and we did everything in four or five days. And, and then, uh, yeah, it was just great to be around friends and, you know, me, no Shane, doubt. Russ, you know, and we had a few nights, like after when I was done for the night, it's like hanging out and we had friends and family over and it was great. You know, too short, really. But then again, it was freaking raining and pissing down and floods everywhere. It was like fucking chaos. So I was like, wow, delicious. <laughs> wow. Yeah, oh, yeah that's I hope awesome. to see him again soon. For sure. I, yeah. I, I hope you get to see him again, too, soon as a longtime fan, obviously. But just, again, as you said, with the camaraderie and the friends, with the longtime relationships, that's that's awesome to see that you guys were able to pull that all off. And now we have two awesome albums, and it sounds like an, an upcoming EP as well. And I haven't said this yet because there's just so much to take in and it's all great, but shout out to Dirk, you know, one of, one of my favorite drummers. And it's awesome to see you guys collaborating together. Um, I'm glad that could all work out the way that it Hell did. Yeah. 
Um, Dirk is awesome, man. I mean, not just as a drummer, he's phenomenally as a drummer, but even more phenomenal as a person, a friend, just a very nice, happy, great, sharp guy, great sense of humor. You know, we talk very little about the music. That's that's like obvious. You know, it's, that's the natural part of the charisma somehow. Where it's like just amazing. But yeah, just hanging out with him for four days and, and his family and his dogs and his lifestyle, going to little places, and it, it's just freaking cool, man. You know, it's like that's awesome. And they came here to Vegas a few times for Psycho Fest and Megadeth played here, and it's just great to see that he's doing well in Megadeth and those guys are recording. Dave's recovered from his illness and yeah. they're ready to take on the world, man. Everyone's ready to go. You know? yeah. But it's like it's going to be a challenging year, I think, or longer. And mm-hmm. whatever's left on the other side, we'll see. But yeah. I'm just thankful to get something out. And, you know, it's kind of really hard to get the attention of people these days if you don't have a like a, a massive name or like a, a highly anticipated record. But it's like, you know, it'll come time. It's still underground and we got to share where possible. And I see a lot of people sharing Brave the Cult break the cold post and there's like one like I look yeah. at it I'm like oh that was me <laughs> but, hey, you know. it's that fucking algorithm yeah yeah well Boo algorithm hack the we'll algorithm there soon enough yeah um okay we'll talk later Lindsay yeah okay <laughs> yeah Actually, speaking of, I, I think I saw you say something about this on your social media, Lindsay, but you guys have an upcoming collaboration as well. Yeah, so um, my buddies in Pound and I are collaborating on a uh, album of trip-hop covers, uh, metal style, so that's in production, and Ooh. wonderful Mitchell is playing on one of the songs, and I'm really excited about it, um, so we're just kind of still... Oh, secret song, don't... I won't, Don't let I, me miss a deadline. I won't, I, I, <laughs> well, this I, I have the tracks for you, so I will email you after this. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm really stoked on it. The Pound guys are two of my favorite humans on the on the planet. They're just so wonderful. Um, and honestly, I just kind of kicked the idea out there. I, I had the idea of wanting to do metal style of trip hop songs for years mm-hmm. um and it just never i could never find anybody that like understood what i was getting at and then i literally just threw the idea out to ryan um guitar player in pound and he's like let's fucking do it and i'm like all right here we go buckle up you know and so we spent a few weeks trying to just figure out what songs um it would be so i had some suggestions and you know they just they just fucking ran with it um we have some other special guests on it we were really great producer on it and um i'm really excited about it it's like i said it's something i've wanted to do for a really long time and the songs are so fucking heavy dude like imagine like uh you know one of well just imagine like a portis head song for example just with like blast beats you know (laughs) It's, it's uh it's pretty brutal so um i'm i'm really really excited about it and uh uh, I'm sure I'll let you guys know when it's out. So am yeah, I. Please do. I it's it's funny you say that. I've been I've been looking for somebody to do a cool take on trip hop meets metal forever. You look at my Spotify uh, what have you listened to thing at the end of every year and the one uh, group that I've listened to the most for the last two or three maybe even years is Massive Attack actually. Oh yeah. Um, so I would love to see those worlds come together a little more sometime. So that's yeah. that's very awesome. Hey, guys. Have you ever heard Lady Tron? Lady Tron? Oh, hell yeah. Lady Tron. Oh, Lady Tron. Witching Hour. Lady Tron. 
fucking witching hour um, from start to finish. Jeremy Wagner turned me on to it because we love female singer stuff or anything from Cocktail Twins that can dance, shoegaze stuff, whatever, Bjork and Cardians, freaking cranberries. I love all that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Cocktail Twins, Twins are like... I, I, Cocktoo Twins, although like vocally, I can never match <laughs> what she does, but they're such a huge influence on me, but they were actually a huge influence on Karen Crisis too, which mm. is why she does her little, like her, uh, soprano screeching stuff comes from Cocktoo Twins. And that's how I actually see like finding the DNA of, of musician bands. I found out about Cocktoo Twins because Karen cited Cocktoo Twins as one of her influences and that's how I got into them. But yeah, no, I love all that stuff. Like I, I really want to see more because I, I personally think that trip hop is just super heavy. I think there's some song, like I think there's some Porter's head songs that are some are more brutal than some metal songs I've heard just because of how hard they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted to see or hear a band take that on. Like I know helmet tried to cover a Bjork song once. Um, really? I think it was army of me. Huh. Um, and it was okay, but you know, I think everybody goes from that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. it was, it was all right. It was all right. You know, I love helmet, but I, I just want, I wanted somebody to like take that and go even further. And I think that's what we're going to try to do on this one with pound is like, we're just, we're just fucking going there. So it's just, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. I'm super stoked about it too. Just for out of, as, as a fan and of pure curiosity. <laughs> yeah. so, so that'll be awesome. Very much looking forward to that. Um, anything else any of you guys would like to uh, share before we take off? Sonny and share. Yeah, Sonny and share. I just want to say I really actually love, I do love the Brave the Cold album. I want mm-hmm. everybody to check it out. I think it is next level. I've been singing this, the praises of this album since it came out and before. And I just, I think it's fucking phenomenal. And um you know, it's, I think it's just setting kind of a new precedent for where heavy music can go, where it's just essentially genreless, but it's still like heavy, you know? Yeah. And I think we need more of that. Amen. Thank you. It's genreless, you know, you but it sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes, That's exactly. Cool. It's, uh, I mean, Lindsay really actually kept my spirits up because I was like, I mean, I don't give up easily, but uh, man. It was hard. It's like when you have doubts, it's just like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with this thing? I've been sitting on it. It's frustrating. And, you know, yeah. positive feedback is cool. But how do you get it to the people? It's, and Lindsay just was like, dude, it, you know, always picking me up and checking in, offering to help on social media and just things. It's like very rare. That's that, awesome. That kind of support. So that I appreciate that. And I'm so glad you like it. And yeah. I'd love to hear what you guys think of it, too. It's like. You know, it's just being alone with something so long. It's just like, what do you do? You forget what it was about almost. And then to hear yeah. people picking up on it as a new thing, it's amazing. Cause yeah, for sure. I, I think it's hard. I think as a creative person, especially if you're writing music, you're in the trenches all the time. You're in your own head. You're judging it. And it's hard to, to pull back enough to be objective um, and you know, I, you know, when I was just doing the thing with my solo EP, it's just so different and avant-garde. I'm like, man, I don't even know, but it's just pulling back and having someone else come in and listen to it. And, and Mitch with you too, I shared the, the early EP um, demos with you and you were really helpful with helping me to just stay focused on like, yeah, this is cool. Keep going in this direction as opposed to like second guessing myself. And I really appreciate that. And I think I saw, I saw like a crackhead, uh, 
what's her name? Billie Eilish vibe. Like, because she opened up <laughs> to a whole different minimalist <laughs> approach. No, but that's yeah. awesome. Because it's like, you know, anything goes now. And it's like, what, how many Grammys did she win or whatever? And she was yeah. just there around the studio doing her thing with the brother. I don't know, story. I like it. What I heard, I was like, badass. You know, yeah. it's it's very removed. And at least, like, uh, inter- intricate space. And yours was even more removed. And, like, poetic and in a dark corner but also like projecting outwards in an awesome way so it just touched me man i love it oh thanks i like, appreciate don't that. Fuck with it too much minimal i mean it's i mean some of my favorite songs i mean i love other shit man snow patrol for example chasing cars it's mm-hmm. one fucking note okay look at that uh daft punk what is it get lucky or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I listen the, to it. Once it's the same bass line in the whole song, and the mm-hmm. vocals carry. And the vocals carry it. I'm like, how? It's not easy to do. I'm like, okay, we come from a background of all these fucking seven parts in the song, maybe technical riffs, fast, slow, whatever. But yeah, to try and write a simple song, it's like unless the vocals are carrying it, then it's it's a challenge. And to me, and if you can master that minimalist thing, which I think you have, that's fucking awesome. And just go from there. And it's like, you know, we have, as well, we have a thing of like, I want to have horns, I want to have fuck all this shit. <laughs> it's like, dude, everything's already on maximum velocity. It's like, it's cool, but I like remove stuff. Super, you know, intricate with lots of middle layers, and you can really feel it. Like, you can find yourself doing too many vocal tracks to make it sound powerful. But at the end of the day, people are just to hear one voice and connect with the singer. And it, and it's also perfect these days. It's like, what about the 70s class tunes that nobody, nothing was perfect, but everybody yeah. remember the spirit of music and leave the organic feel somehow. But electronics helps you. So, you know, it makes these elements and you're onto something new. Yeah, oh, thanks. absolutely. It's, it's awesome to see that you were both able to bounce off each other and keep, keep each other going in the right direction. That's, that's really cool to see. It's so funny, too, because we were doing, like, almost, like, completely opposite yeah. musical things. <laughs> like, he was doing, like, this, like, super, like, fucking heavy, break the cold stuff. I'm doing this pulled back, minimal, like, spoken word album, <laughs> yeah. you know? But it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm just really thankful because... Like I said, when you when you're creative and you're working on stuff yourself, you, you, it's for me it's really hard to invite people into that process. I'm very selective about who I like communicate with and with that stuff. So uh, Mitch was one of those people that I was just like, you know, I trusted to like give me an honest opinion, and it really helped me to just move forward and definitely gave me the um, the inspiration to even just like share what I did because it is so different than just the metal stuff that I do all the time. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could put this out there, but just, just sharing it with him. I was like, all right, well, let me just pull the trigger on this and float it into the world. And then I just, you know, I felt better. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep going and keep doing this. And the, you know, feedback was positive and that's all I need. It's personal though. That's what's good about it. Yeah. It's so personal. Yeah. It is very personal. It, it is, is very, very like. And people, yeah. believe it or not, I mean, I, I mean, you know, in our in our world, there's a lot of close-minded people that they like shit the way they like it, but they also like other kinds of music. But they, yeah. you know, not that they don't need it, but they don't like to see them two things combined by people that they've already classified you know but right. i like the fact that you push the boundaries and it's you know people i think will be open to that because i mean everyone's tired of the same old shit let's be fair yeah, yeah. i fucking sure as i am but no disrespect yeah. to anybody but it's like show me something new 
Mm-hmm. I don't care how different it is. It's like the more radical, the better at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. I can live without a guitar. Oh, fucking yeah. me. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. For sure. Well, so there you have it, folks. Go check out the new Natalia EP. I'm sorry. Could you say it one more time, Lindsay? I don't want to bum any Norwegians. Von, thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. It's very ethereal. It's got a cool vibe to it. It's awesome. I, I feel like it'd be good driving music. I haven't driven with it. I'm going to. That's that's my next mission. Um, and then, yeah, Brave the Cold. Something new but familiar at the same time. Very diverse. It's awesome to see the different styles of riffing and all the different styles of vocals even. Um, and the whole thing solid top to front and immaculate drumming by Dirk Verbeeren, of course, produced by Logan Mater. It's awesome top to bottom. And then the new Napalm Death album. Ah, uh, shoot. I'm sorry. There we go. Throws in the joy of the jaws. Yeah. Throws in joy <laughs> in the jaws. Okay, sorry. sorry. So you get it then. Right? Yeah, sorry. It's, that's a lot. It's awesome, but it's a lot of words. Throws of joy in the jaws of defeatism. The new full-length album from Napalm Death on Century Media Records. And same deal. Front to back, awesome. So many different bases yes. covered. The whole thing's great. Everybody go check all these things out. Support musicians. Support awesome music. Support the arts. Please and thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. of course. Thanks for having us. Again. Awesome. Of course. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks yes. for your time. Thank it's you been so awesome. Much. Hope to get to have another opportunity to do it soon when there's more music from both of you. And white snake. The white snake playlist. Yeah. <laughs> and say hi to the dogs in the snake. background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until then. Oh, yeah. You can find me at Yes It Is I David on all the socials. You can find Jason on all the socials as well, usually on the Metalist Pod Twitter or Metalist Podcast socials anywhere else. Like, review, rate, and subscribe. Sorry, I'm on one right now. <laughs> and, and then hit us up on the socials. We love having conversations with you guys. We're music fans, so we like to talk with other music fans. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, eat your veggies. Fuck Wear your masks. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Lindsay. Thanks again, everybody. See you then. Later. Bye. Okay, bye. Later. Thank you. All righty. So after all that, we wanted to get into a proper list just while we're on the subject of Celtic Frost. Celtic Frost. We're back to this whole thing. I was just talking to Jason about how there's a documentary on YouTube. Go search it out. It's called um, Dying God. And they say it both ways in the movie. So I'm not as stingy about it anymore. So fuck it. Although I would have liked to have known what the proper pronunciation for Geiger was. I'm pretty sure it's actually Geiger when you're talking about the guy's name because he's in the dock too. Mm. Anyways, Jason, how about you start us off with some honorable mentions? We're going the entire Celtic Frost discography, but not Hellhammer, not Apollyon Sun, not uh, Trypticon. Yeah, it's not a Tom G. Warrior list. Yeah. Or F- Thomas G. Fisher list. Yeah. Honorable mentions, I have a couple. Obviously, Circle of the Tyrants was a pretty huge song. Because it's, man, I mean, for the year it came out, it's pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, no kidding. Some of the stuff I have, I've always had an issue with some of the Morbid morbid Tales stuff. Some of it is, it's almost like Merciful Fate. Like, what what puts merciful fate and like morbid uh morbid tales celtic frost what puts some of that stuff like kind of on a lower tier versus like what say metallica was doing 1984 85 so we're talking hello slayer type shit like what is the difference and to me the difference is they just didn't have quite the same sound 
Right. It is a little more necro. It's a little more demo sounding. But Morbid Tales is a fucking EP anyway. Like, and, But I mean, Dethrone Emperor and Circle Tyrants is like fucking awesome. If you haven't heard Circle Tyrants, well, listen to the Celtic Frost version, but also listen to the Obituary version and also listen to the Opeth version. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking cool. Pretty popular song. And then also, I would say... Oh, there's... Damn it. I, see, I didn't write down my honorable mentions. I should oh, have. No, I had like... Um, Yo, so I listened to Into the Pandemonium. I don't like that album pretty much at all. So Yeah, you know what's funny is I thought it was going to be a pretty straight shot from, you know, Mor- Morbid Tales is very raw, like we said, yeah. Uh, same with the EP after that, The Emperor's Return. But the one, you know, it's a pretty big jump, actually, all things considered from that to, to Megatherion as far as production and songwriting and all that. I was surprised at what a jump it was to into the pandemonium after that. Like, it sounds like a goddamn, it sounds like an eighties metal record proper, you know, without kind of, it's just like way slicker than I thought, but also the music takes a different direction. It's, it's, um, I think the, the difference, yeah, it's, it's more like eighties thrash stuff. Yeah. But, depending on what song you listen to because that's the big thing this is like into the pandemonium's definitely like their experimental one right right then cold lake is full bore hair metal mm-hmm. like they're they're trying to be hair metal. to some degree vanity and is it two eps put together on spotify or is it vanity slash nemesis uh oh, it must be vanity slash nemesis because no two- yeah okay that is an album it's the album yeah I had to think about which one that was. Where, where it's the four of them on the front cover? Yeah. Yeah, it's an album. I had to look that up, too. I was like... Well, no, I just meant, like, is it two albums put together or is it one album? But it looks like one album because Vanity, the song, is right before Nemesis, and both of those are an extension of one big honorable mention. But, I mean, this stuff is, like, a little bit... It's... I would call it like really good hair metal, glam metal, whatever you want to call it. It does have a little bit of a darker tinge to it, just like my hugest honorable mention, which is Cherry Orchards. Um, I said before, that's the first one that I ever heard, saw it on Headbangers Ball, and I really fucking loved it. And then I found out what the band actually was. Right. And was just like, holy shit. I've never heard any... So Cold Lake's not on Spotify. I've no, never they, heard anything else off of Cold Lake. Well, I might have on this one album that has like a bunch of greatest hits. Yeah. Parched with Thirst, Am I Dying? Am, Parched with Thirst, Am I and Dying. Yeah. That's where you can hear Cherry Orchards on Spotify. I know there's other songs on Cold Lake Supposedly, for this album. He gave but, it a different mix specifically to like try to salvage whatever he could with it. So that's even a kind of a false representation of what the actual Cold Lake version is. Suppose right. So I just love like I, the one thing I always liked about it was like it was hair metal, but it was a little bit is a little bit darker. You know? Well, yeah, it was it was more like that fucking faster pussycat types that's what it kind of reminds me of is a less spastic spa, uh, faster pussycat like yeah but like the chick singing like the you know how he changes off with the and then the girl comes in more than pleasure in ice yeah. cold flames crying soft as love flies tame the way that she's kind of like monotone with that a little bit you know what i just realized it gives it, it a really you what 
You know what I just re- I just realized it reminds me of is Sonic Youth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is weird. That's what she sounds like on there. It's just got this weird because even I think on that part the guitar dies down. I, th- I think it right. does. I think the guitar yeah. dies down on that part for or at least part of her thing. And it's just that that's the other thing. Like the bass is going, it's got a little bit of fucking distortion on it. And it's got a really colder sound. And it's just it's something it's like they're doing glam shit, but not in the glam way. Yeah, they're it's their own take on glam. Right. And it there's if you were to just hear like I did, like I heard this, I was like, man, like this is cool. This is totally different than any fucking other hair metal I'm seeing right now on Headbangers Ball. But then I go back and, you know, and then I hear to Megatherion and I hear Morbid Tales. I hear into the, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, now I get it. That's why this sounds totally different. This isn't what they do. Yeah. Apparently, you know, this, according to that doc, it wasn't even his idea. It was like the other guys in the band he had at the time, and he just kind of relinquished control because he was dealing with personal stuff. Well, yeah, he, he at that point he'd gotten a whole new band, a la another favorite band of mine, dude, aborted. Uh, Same yeah. kind of deal. At one point, Svenchel fired everybody. Yeah, and almost gave up. He was he was about to. He was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just done. And then you know he ends up fucking going, you know, sticking with it, and fucking just really worked out for him and. I don't know. To some degree, it kind of worked out for Celtic Frost. I mean, I don't... It's weird. I've never met a Celtic Frost diehard fan. I mean, other than probably Mitch, I guess. Yeah, I... There must be somebody. Like, I've I've never met anybody that was, like, a Celtic Frost fan, heard Cold Lake, was like, fucking sellouts, I'm done with them, and then they just never listened to him again. Yeah, I hear from people like that all the time. Sure, I've read about it. circle, you know, like... yeah. It's just interesting to think. I yeah, that's odd, isn't it? There must be somebody we're just not aware of, you know. Right. Well, anytime you have, you know, a band that kind of really fucking hits a clam like that. I mean, I know Matt talks about it on Box and Hops with one of their albums, The King. Yeah, the Unspoken that album. King. So, yeah, yeah that that album. You know, Svencho talks about. I think it's um, a strict, strict nine. nine. I think yeah. strict nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. I've heard people say like ingested. They had that was a srep, the Sureption, the white album cover. Yeah, that's you know, they kind of went to go more deathcore. Like, I, you know, a lot of bands have that thing, and sometimes it fucking works, man. Do Suicide Silence with that, the, their self-titled one. Like, mm-hmm. it just happens sometimes, man. It's like you're gonna try something else. It doesn't fucking work, and it's like okay, well then we just go on. Difference is, is Celtic Frost kept it going. Yeah, absolutely. Because Vanity and Nemesis is very much the same way. I thought that was almost, it's a weird, because you could almost say that if uh, Cold Lake never existed, that could be a logical follow-up to in, into the pandemonium without blinking an eye. You know, you would never think twice. It's not, so it's basically, I, here's what I'll say. If you, I mean, if you happen to like the Celtic Frost the way that they do glam stuff because I, I like the way that they do it, but I, I like glam stuff. So it's like not that weird for me, but this is a really cool vanity. Nemesis is a cool album because it's kind of a bridge. They have the fucking glam sound, a little bit of the glam style mixed with their old style. It, it you know, it just, it, and it doesn't sound like the, the guitar sounds pretty decent. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. I mean, other than that, I don't. It would be hard to go through like for honorable mentions with like monotheist because like the whole fucking album is the shit. So that's actually my big thing right there. Is <laughs> all my honorable mention shit is all just monotheist. I'm gonna just say monotheist as a whole, man, because that you know. Celtic Frost for me was always a band I respected and appreciated the influence for what they had on this music as a whole, right? But Monotheists specifically, well, one song specifically that we'll get to later off of that was the thing that actually finally made an impression with me to go and, okay, I'm an actual fan now, you know, like the first thing that actually registered with me beyond that. And... I actually, you know, I tried to listen to Monotheist a few times all the way through, and it's just such a a varied album, but they, it's also my favorite because it's like this, it's, it's very much, they were always their own thing. They've been copied a million times over. Their influence can be found everywhere. But this was like a whole other thing. It was like years of, you know, culmination of stuff they'd been working on in this. And they said it was their darkest album and it's just like yeah it really is man it's like this doom is fuck it's yeah it's essentially a fucking doom album yeah it's but there's like so many different flavors of that too like, it's like, like they it's went it's like thing. they went from a fucking pretty much a fucking heavy ass punk darkish thrash band into this weird experimental glam band and then right into being just straight up doom band, dude. Mm. Like, I mean, that's at it too. Yeah. It's crazy when you, because honestly, it's, it's, it seems like a good way to go because when you listen to the old stuff, well, when I listen to the old stuff, I definitely prefer like when they slow down versus same, when same. they get faster. Yeah, exactly. Same. Very much. I, I think some of that's, I'm, when it comes to fast, fast like thrash stuff, I'm definitely picky than if you were just hitting some fucking like groove shit. Because groove mm-hmm. shit's always going to work. It's like whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, then it just comes down like other elements. But like, I don't know. There's there's something about that fucking slow shit, man, that just like I can overlook a lot of things I dislike. Yeah, for sure. You know, especially if, if it's really heavy, like really heavy and slow. I can overlook a lot of fucking things. Like, I, you know, some of those other Doom bands, I don't necessarily like the vocals or something, or maybe the keyboard sound. And yeah. it's like, I'll overlook all of that stuff, dude. If it's fucking, like, heavy and slow, dude, I'll overlook it. This is almost perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been a huge fan of Tom's vocals, but they work so good for yeah. this stuff. Exactly like, the same, awesome. yeah. Especially when they got that female voice coming in and they're kind of intermingling there, like Yeah, whenever shit, they bring man. in the, the the female vocals, man, like it really comes down to how it's mixed. Cause there's mm-hmm. one of them, I can't remember what one it is. I think it might be off of Morbid Tales or or I don't know, because they have all the weird re-recordings and stuff. But yeah, there's one of them, man, like I could tell like, man, if it was just mixed better, if she was if she sounded like she was in the room with them. Right, yeah. It would be really cool, but she sounds like I mean it's a it's just a terrible recording. Like Yeah. That's probably state of the art for the eighties, you know. But like maybe Yeah, but like we're talking a new standard set with self producing with Peter Tagrin from hypocrisy, like and Yeah, that's a huge factor too. Yeah. 
and like you know you got the scary stories to tell in the dark ass fucking album cover i swear to god that's the same artist i want to look that up sometime i gotta remember that uh um but yeah man like i so i had a group of songs but i'll just say the whole album man because by far and away that's my favorite piece of work from them you know like if it sucks that they broke up the way they did again watch that documentary if you can on youtube but like what an album to leave on you know what i mean like if that was the way to close it out and so be it and now we got Triptychon. i do want to shout out so vincent from the acacia strain plays this band a lot on um his streams it was the last thing martin did before he passed away it was called tar pond and it was with one of the dudes from coroner so it's like a sort of kind of swiss mm. super group and it is awesome 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 downtrodden ass downtrodden should i say doom uh, it's like the perfect just like kind of just staring out the window when it's raining ass music man and what's it called again tar pond and as far as i know it's only one four song ep right now and i think he was he, that martin played on it before he passed away they got somebody else since he's passed unfortunately um but yeah you know as far as doom goes like i i dug it quite a bit so and you know what i didn't know the guy they had touring with them on the comeback record was the guy from that cadaver band from norway so fucking talent out the ass for that whole lineup around that time um on that note we want to get into the list you want to start it off my number five is a 14-minute masterpiece called Synagoga Satani. Yeah, that's a good one. Off of Monotheist, dude. Fuck. Dude. I mean, it does... It's got that long intro, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's more... It's like a... And then it just... The fucking feedback comes in or whatever, but it's like yeah. right around five minutes, man. It fucking boom, down, 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 boom, those single string. I don't know how low they're tuned at all. Yeah, I meant to look that up actually. Huh. But I mean, just the way he's all like his fucking vocals like work so good for this shit. Yeah, because he's not growling he's not screaming at all i mean it's just like really clean it's a decipherable no, grunt basically it sounds like it's kind of like david vincent yeah true you know yeah. what i mean like he's clear as about like it's fully understandable but still evil sound like he's just very sinister sounding but so it's got this single street and then it's like it's right after about a little after five minutes dude it just starts chunking it yeah. Like, have you heard the song? Yeah, I, I've heard the whole album. Right, right. It's, dude, when it's just all fucking, like, oh my God, dude. It's just like, you got to just start headbanging immediately. Yeah. Would you believe B standard? Yeah. That's what I'm seeing right now. I could see that. Dude, people. Plenty of heavy shit was written in B. Like, in, you know, it's like, yeah, I know people play a lot deep, not lower, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're playing heavy shit. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of those bands that tune really low and they don't actually play much of anything. Right. You know, it's kind of a bummer. But if you have a vocalist that can fucking make it interesting, fuck it. 
Yeah. Um, I really like this song too because well, this whole album. So that's one thing I like about this album too. They have a lot of single stringy stuff. So what you end up with is a lot of like a lot of those bendy, slurry, dissonant, discordant types of fucking riffs. Mm-hmm. This song is like 14 minutes of that shit. Yeah. Like it's so fucking cool. It's a moody ass song. It's a moody ass album in general. That's why I think it's yes. my favorite, you know, in a way that the others aren't. It's got its own characteristic. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's it's just sinister as hell, man. That's that's why I, I enjoy this one above them all. Well, yeah, and then like the whole end, it's just like slowly breaking down. Yeah. And I don't mean like breaking down, like breaking down. I mean like it's just slowly getting slightly more chaotic to where it's like, wait, are we even playing the same song? Right. It's crazy. It's almost like listening to the song just die. <laughs> Poetic, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, and it's so fucking cool dude like oh my god your number five is so my number five my most of my list is going to be pretty obvious actually but um you can't deny the bangers man so i gotta go number five dethroned emperor like nice yeah it's just the riffage the fucking it's like there's different versions that appear on across multiple albums man like it's just it's well placed right in the middle of the album man like fucking it's just crushing like like there's something i didn't think i was that big on old celtic frost until we re- i went back for the the episode and just like it all, all of this stuff is starting to click with me now and it's mostly stuff off of morbid tales and to megatherion more than all the other albums but like something about that stuff finally makes sense to me and dethroned emperors fucking it's actually on the bottom end of my list compared to the others man but like <laughs> this one reminds me ass. of am i evil yeah yeah exactly right but this also reminds me of something where it's like okay let's take what well it's kind of like what slayer did and to some degree metallica let's take what judas priest did and make it a little bit heavier yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's something... still that same driving, that chunky. I mean, one thing I do like, I guess it probably depends on what fucking version of Morbid Tales you listen to. Yeah, yeah, that's there's true. there's one of them, man, where the bass, like, it surprisingly sounds really good. Yeah, for sure. Like for an old recording, it's like, wow. <laughs> but yeah, once they hit the fucking, that, when it's like, you know, it hits that slower and it goes to that cut time beat, that's definitely not like judas priest stuff like yeah that's where it gets into this whole other like this whole other fucking thing going on yeah you know and it's like i don't know what other stuff in 84 was playing like sludgy shit like that but then when it goes to the the classic rock don't you know and it (laughs) yeah they do that a lot and a lot of heavy bands did that back in the day because that was a good way to get going really fast if your drummer couldn't play that fast. Right, yeah. You know, you could play a lot of fast shit over top of that beat. You know, so and it has a little bit of that swing to it. So it's like it just kind of it just kind of cracked me up. That it was like, holy shit, like even in was it Switzerland? Yeah. Yeah, in Switzerland. They 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 were kind of doing the same shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's oh man, it's just uh 
really fucking cool. I'm I'm just listening to it like right now. I was like, because I thought about putting this one in my. Uh, well, this one was honorable mention, I guess. So yeah, for sure. But you know, another thing that kind of made them like kind of more sinister than some of the other bands, a la fucking Slayer, was they made their solos sounded eviler than some of the pretty guitar solos that were around. It's weird, man. Like they just sound like, it, especially the older stuff, just sounds evil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I was surprised at how much of a jump. <laughs> like I knew that Cold Lake was Cold Lake, but like I was surprised at how much different the stuff after that all is. You know, like it really they they really went across the spectrum. Well, it's weird because like I think career. we may have talked about it before with Mitch, where it was like these guys influenced so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously death metal, but they were you know, kind of at the start of the thrash movement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they also kind of like threw in, they influenced a lot of black metal stylings. They influenced a lot of sludgy type stuff. They, it's like they, t- they touched on a lot of different genres to yeah. me. Nirvana cites them as a big influence. Oh, you could do, yeah. Listen to bleach and you and then listen to morbid tales. And it's like, you could definitely tell Kurt and, and Dave and fucking Chris had like some kind of, you know, they had their hands on a fucking Celtic frost tape or two. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Again, the legacy is immeasurable. It's that's, what's so cool, man, is they get tagged with that black metal first wave thing, but like there was so much other shit going on across so many different things. It's, it's admirable to see the band that could have that. So, you know, that much reach across all the spectrum of heavy music and be right. responsible for it too. You know, um, with yeah. no screams at all yeah i mean like you know for what it was in the early to mid 80s or whatever but again that for a minute like like especially if you're talking the 80s there's these little microcosmic spots of this thing for this like month was like the heaviest most extreme thing in the world until whatever that influence came out next you know what i mean like right think about how different that era is compared to everything that came after too there's something to be said about that that's a trip dude huh interesting anyways on that note your number four my number four is ground this fucking song crushes everything dude yeah this like then the just the guitar sound yeah and just that fucking, why have you forsaken me? Like, yeah. oh, fuck, dude. This was on my, you know, when it was just songs on my honorable mentions for sure, man. There's this was the moments. first song, like, I guess reintroduced to Celtic Frost. I I didn't know that Monotheist came out for a long time. Mm. Um a friend of mine will shout him out, dude. Shout out Brian Wright, big Celtic Frost fan, big Trypticon fan, big Tom Fisher fan in general. Right. I believe if he didn't let me listen to it, he brought it up. I'm pretty sure we were talking at a show one time in Idaho and he brought it up. He mentioned something about a new Celtic Frost album. And I remember thinking or saying out loud, what? <laughs> Since when? Right. You know, and it was so 2006, I was probably still inside. So this is probably 2007, 2008 Hmm. when he mentioned it. So the album had been out. Right. 
And I remember him telling me, like, God, like, dude, you have to listen to it. Like, the, you know, the sound on it is really good. I don't think he mentioned Tagrin's name, but, like, he just said, like, the production's awesome. Yeah. Like, you need to hear it. And I think at the same time, I mean, I did. I listened to Monotheus, and then I also listened to, shit, the first Triptychon album. So, you know, I, I, and I think this was the, you know, just just randomly clicking songs. I know this was the first one that I fucking heard, and it was just like, Jesus, dude. Like, it just, that droning fucking guitar. Yeah. You know, just that fucking wow, It's got like that little, like the bendy, like wobble almost. Like, you know, the bass sound when it's fucking, everything cuts out and the bass just don't, 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 don't. Like, and it just, ah, fuck, dude. It yeah. just crushes so fucking hard, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, awesome tempo. The guitar, the little weird guitar. Uh, I'll see if I could do it. <laughs> Right, yeah. Like towards the end, dude. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, dude, it's so uncomfortable at times. It's, you know, but like a lot of their stuff, a lot of their stuff is like that. It's, uh, it's, all, it's a lot of their stuff is like horror music almost, where, you know, like, yeah, yeah we're going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to feel weird listening to this shit, you know, and, and it's just so fucking cool. I think we may have touched on that earlier, but what is your number four? So my number four yeah. is I'm pretty sure the first song I ever heard by Celtic Frost was Into the Crypt of Rays, where it was, I'm pretty sure it was loud. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was loud in whatever year I would have seen it, 99, 2000 or whatever. And uh, Martin's got that puffy fucking Seinfeld shirt going. Tom's got all the, you know, the accoutrement of the day, the, the, you know, short leather fucking with all the stud stuff going. And so it's pretty, you know, it's it the faster song. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but I mean, if you're going to start somewhere and it just happens to be like the start of their career, I suppose that works. But like, I don't know why it clicked with me more in recent time than when it did back then. Maybe it's one of those things that took me a few listens, but you can hear where so much of heavier, more extreme metal stuff comes from. Even hardcore, a lot of hardcore bands. I was just going to say, influence. it sounds like a hardcore song, dude. Yeah, like uh, who who cites him as an influence? Sheer Terror, Hatebreed, called themselves Celtic Frost Hardcore forever. And you can hear where all that comes from, man. It's very, it's it's aggressive. It's up tempo. It's got that kind of gruntier. I'm not even gonna try right now. My throat's already fucked as it is right now. But you know that it's got a standard. Yeah, and that was the thing too. Is they said their drums came from um, Discharge. They said their drums were highly influenced by Discharge. So it all gets repurposed one way or another into something new. And I dig it, man. Well, yeah, it only takes one person to show everybody, hey, you can do you can do a thing like this. And it's like, but it's basically, hey, you can play faster. Yeah, yeah, for real. You know, and it's like, boom, dude. Like, all it takes is one fucking time. And it doesn't even have to be on an album. You could have toured with the band or, like, you were just coming through a place and just saw somebody. It just takes one person to see one person do it. And it... It just opens the floodgates of everything. And that's how we are where we are now. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm always curious what's going to be that next thing that somebody that, you know, one person, maybe a group of people comes up with and everybody else, you know, picks up on it, takes the ball and just fucking runs as hard as they can for the next thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm always curious of that because some of the stuff coming out now is just, uh, that has come out. I just, it's just, it's just incredible to, to think like, like how, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How did all this happen? Yeah, that's what I love seeing where all this shit comes from, you know. And as you know, far that's as that why being ground zero, like it makes sense, you know. Yeah, that's why I always, tr- you know, I I like to tell people, you know, like, hey, like if you have the idea, even if you're not necessarily good at the thing, like yet, you know, just get the idea, get, like get it going, mm-hmm. get the idea out there. That way, you know, it, you know, and it's like not trying to piss on your candle or anything but i mean you know maybe you don't get it done but somebody else does yeah yeah absolutely you no know, and then it's then it's out there you know and it's like you know because you put it out there you know what i mean like i don't know I mean, it depends on what your motivation is but i mean especially with like music it's like fuck man just put you put the stuff out there man i mean you never know when you're on the on the edge of something cool happening and maybe yeah. your idea sparked another idea. Exactly. Fucking yeah, man. It's a sick song. <laughs> oh shit! This is like their fucking third most played song. Yeah, that sounds about right. I I recall it's what I saw off the, the song list thing being. It's pretty all over the board, which I kind of dig, which is a testament to their output, you know. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much is just, you know, I'm not trying to bag on the song at all. I'm just saying, like, I wonder how much is it just, it's the first full, like, the first actual song on on uh, Morbid Tales. Yeah, I wonder if it's on a playlist or something, too. Could be. Could be. Speaking of songs, what is your number three? The Usurper. Nice. Dude. I think I I think I may have said this in the the previous uh, section, mm-hmm. so I might leave it at that. But just it's got a little bit of the faster riffage, you know. But I really like how. When that's going on, the drums are like this. Sometimes the drums are like, and then there's other times he's like, and it's like because he's doing different. And then there's you know it's like one section he's you know it's like he's just romping on the fucking crash symbol or China. I don't even know if that was a symbol back then. And then the next time he does, he doesn't. He's on the hi hat. It it's uh it just gives it this really chaotic thing where it's like there's there um it's all just repetition Mm -hmm. there's not an insane amount of things going on i guess it's like there's just a lot of variations going on yeah the same thing and it's yeah and given that it's a and there's the accent on that second part it gives it like a herky-jerky kind of feel and it almost again it's it's the uncomfortable thing Mm -hmm. that's what it does it it Oh, man, you used a word I heard the other day. I was listening to one of our shows back. Frantic, right? It's a really frantic part, and it makes you—it makes me feel frantic. Like when I listen to it, 
you know, but to me, like, especially for what year did this one come out? Oh, 85. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably granted again, I don't know what year it was when I heard it definitely was not in 1985. I know that, but I think this, as far as like faster stuff, like this has got to be like one of the heavier fucking things around, you know, and probably not a lot of people heard it. Definitely not as much as Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer. Right. You know, but I think this, I think this song, given the speed it's at, and again, I'm not saying it's the fastest song. I'm just saying for the speed, the guitar sound on it, the way the drums are fucking playing on it. It's just, it's right there with anything fucking... I, I think it's right there with most of what Slayer's done. I mean, take away a couple of huge fucking Slayer things. Mm-hmm. It's right on par right on par with that stuff, dude. Like, again, it's not as... I'm not saying it's as fast as Slayer. I'm not even saying it's as good as Slayer, if that's what you were trying, you're trying to think about. No, it's... It's that same kind of heavy fucking stuff. It's right, you know, Merciful Fate, all that fucking stuff that was back in the mid-80s that was getting it all going. 84 is Ride the Lightning? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the sound on Ride the Lightning versus the sound on Tomegatherion is completely different. Mm-hmm. To doesn't have a chance. I bet if Megatherion, if they had the sound that Ride the Lightning had, ooh. <laughs> Talking in hypotheticals. <laughs> that could be fun. A whole episode on if this had this sound. Just saying, if it had that fucking same kind of sound, it would just it would have been a lot bigger, I think. Right, yeah. Number what number are we on? Number three for you. My number three, again, going for the big hitters, Circle of the Tyrants. Nice. It's only Fuck in yeah, recent dude. time. I think the it clicked with me is just because Talking, you know, here in uh, obituary, which I can't wait to do that episode. Obituary talking about their only two influences basically were Venom and Celtic Frost. So when you hear, when you hear this song on its own, it makes all the sense in the world. It's just like, oh, this is a obituary song before obituary was a band. And then when you go back and listen to their cover of it, it makes even more sense. Like, it's fucking great. It's a proto obituary song. That's that's what I finally came to the conclusion of and i like it even more now for that reason you know what i mean and i like opeth's version oh, yeah. too but like dude obituary come on dun, 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 dun. i like the opeth version too but this is a perfect song for obituary to cover yeah for real i'm saying obituary doing this song like yeah it is like a, a obituary song before obituary it's not an opeth song before opeth right yeah you know when it kind of goes to that slowish middle it's all mid-tempo. None of it's really fast. But when it goes that slower middle part, well, I guess it does get fast towards the end, right? Yes. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, so when it hits Faster, like, for sure. Okay. But uh, actually, you know what? That's probably about as fast as Obituary gets on any given song. That is also true, yeah. <laughs> what can you say about Circle of the Tyrants? I mean, if you're making one of those... I don't know, like revolver, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, metal blog or whatever, and they're making like top 100 most important or influential fucking songs of all time. I mean, I've seen plenty of those, and Circle of the Tyrants is always in there. Yeah, and it makes sense. Can't really go wrong picking with picking that one. That's for that's for damn sure. Absolutely. 
Oh man, thinking about that makes me really excited for the prospects of an obituary episode. <laughs> Fucking A. Oh yeah, dude. On that note, we're finally at number two. What is your number two? Fucking Dawn of Megiddo. Well, how about that? That's my number two as well. <laughs> yes. Dude, I bet our number one's the fucking yep. same. Oh, I've thought about that for weeks now. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge soon enough. Let's Wait. let's do this one first. Damn. Damn. It's the same. Mm-hmm. No, there's a part in here where it's it reminds me of something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it was. It reminds me of for whom the bell tolls. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but again, like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like when, when these guys are inventing, or not inventing, well, they are. I mean, everybody at this time is kind of inventing what, Kind of like the, the what the heyday of thrash is going to be, right? We're going to start. We're going to start the 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 peak of thrash at eighty six, mm-hmm. and we're going to go to at least ninety two, ninety three, right? Like ish. But no, man. Like you're going to have some similarities, some similarities and riffs. I mean, these guys are trying to figure out what's going to be the standards, right? Yeah, exactly. But man, when those fucking horns come in. Like that slows down. They got the you, you got the big drum feels, you know, and it's just a, the fucking. Yeah, it adds a whole new level, and it's and it's an actual. I think it's just one. The guy's credited. It's just like so and so on the French horn. Yeah, I don't know if he. I mean, he maybe he plays multiple tracks. It doesn't sound like a whole shitload of them. No, but it sounds like enough to really like. Give it it a sounds like vibe. Like maybe he did one main track, mm-hmm. and maybe a backup track with some big reverb on it, right? Yeah. But it it again, like we said earlier with the with the Dimu Borgir thing or Behemoth and a lot of well, a lot of black metal in general. Yeah. Throwing those horns in on this album was like just big because that's something that. Uh, Venom wasn't doing, mm-hmm. you know, I don't recall hearing anything like that in Merciful Fate. I could be wrong. Metallica wasn't doing stuff like that. Uh, Megadeth, you know, Slayer, Anthrax, they were they were doing other stuff, but they weren't doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they, they broke so much ground, and this was a, a prime example of that, you know. It's the epic feel. It's It fills out the sound even more than it already was, man. It's fucking... It's crucial at that point. Yeah, with without this, you don't get all those other bands you just mentioned. Septic Flesh doesn't have a career, you know what I mean? Right. That's another one that that utilized that sort of thing. Like Morbid Angel has yeah. stuff in there where they have that horn, like the just the triumphant horn sound. Like it's it's all from this this one. And I mean the idea of like you know, these guys are sitting around like, Yo, let's fucking throw a French horn in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? right. like, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Fuck it. Let's try it and see what it sounds like. And, and it, and then it's, it obviously sounds like that. And it sounds fucking great. I mean, I wouldn't know what, if I didn't read the thing, I wouldn't know what kind of horn it was. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it just, 
given the fact that I'm going backwards. I mean, it just sounds like some fucking black metal fucking symphonic shit behind it. Yeah. Before that was even a thing. I picture, yeah. I picture the dudes. It is Switzerland. So I picture the dudes in the leader hosen with the big, it's those fucking horns. They have to stand at the top of a ladder for, you know what I mean? And oh my like, God. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they have, but they to, have like, they're in the leader hosen, but they have corpse paint on. Oh, that's even better. But you know what I mean? It's those, those ones they have to stand on a step for. Like right. because the horns are so goddamn big and they like blow down and it's like what the fuck are those called? Just the I don't know. Are they just called alpine horns or something? Something. You know big the horns. other ones over on this other peak of a mountain yelling Ricola. Yeah, the Ricola horn. There we go. There's there's your hashtag for this week. It's got a fucking full on black Saint Bernard. Yeah, <laughs> dude. With spikes on its little keg. Yeah. Man. Oh my god, a studded, a studded keg. Yeah, we ran his commission artwork for this concept. <laughs> if somebody hasn't already thought of it before, fucking black metal Alps. Yeah, man. The the fucking <laughs> the murder horn. The murder horn. Yeah. Dude. I feel like that's already a thing, but still. Oh my god, dude. Fuck it. All right. Do we want to get it over with? I'm pretty. It's it's. You know what? I'm gonna let you say it. I'm gonna let you say it. All right. My number one, by far and away, the the song that made me really, really, really give a fuck about Celtic Frost, dying God coming into human flesh. Oh wow! We are not not on the same page. Holy shit! Oh shit! All right. (laughs) right, Do it. Cool. Oh man. Oh, I kind of want to hear. I do love that song though. Uh, okay, well, fuck it. I'll do my spiel real quick. <laughs> this I like songs that make you want to just sit in a dark room in a corner and just fucking wig out. This is that song to a T, dude. There's plenty of other creepy, atmospheric, slower songs on this album. But, like, this is the one for me. You know what a big thing of it, too? We talked about not being big on Tom Moyer's voice. I think Martin's voice suits this song so goddamn well. I would have liked to hear an entire album with his, his vocals. You know what I mean? Is that who's singing on this part? Yeah, it's it's all it's like a, in the in the mellow part yeah. where you barely can hear anything. I always wondered, but it's also Tom doing the 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 spoken part towards the end, and that's probably him doing the thing in the background too. Oh right, right. But the lead vocal on this is Martin, and I and I've tried looking it up since to see if he did any other of the lead, you know, lead vocals on any of the other songs, and I couldn't find any aside from you know backup stuff. But like I was trying to see if there was any where he was taking the lead, but it's just so fucking moody, and I was like, this, this is what I want more of. You know what I mean? Dude, that slow ass, yeah, man, swells. Yeah. Like fuck, dude. and it's organic as hell, man. Everything about it. Martin's got a sick scream. If you've ever seen the video, dude, like that's the perfect accompaniment. Where they're just, it's in there weird. Like we invented this corpse paint shit, wow. and all these other guys imitated us. So now we're gonna take it to a whole new level, and it's all metallic and fucked up looking. And they're in that dark room, and there's the like, like everything about this song and the video is fucking perfect to me, dude. Like, I love it, dude. I never even considered that that wasn't Tom G. Warrior screaming right there. Interesting. I just thought he fucking, it was like, oh, like he just did a different thing. 
Yeah. Just because you've never done it on an album doesn't mean you can't. But no, for sure. Yeah, it just sure. never crossed my mind that that wasn't him. But yeah, or you know something else I think is funny that I observed recently was like I don't know why, but it, it may, I like it even better than Martin's a left-handed bassist. Like like something nice. about that. Just like it's like I don't know, man. There's a little something extra, but yeah, that's my number one. There's, by far some, there's something pretty cool aesthetically, like looking at a stage when there's a left-handed somewhere. Yeah, like like it almost presents a somewhat of a symmetry where one yeah, the guitar, one way and the there's other. A, there's a guitar going the other direction. It's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, and then something I didn't know until very 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 recently is that Black Tongue covered this. So I checked that out. Wait, and it's, what? Yeah, Black Tongue covered "Dying God Coming into Human Flesh," and it's fucking awesome. How I never heard that. I, I hadn't heard it till I checked it out recently either. Like, what album they, is it on? I, it said it was on an album, but I didn't see it. But it's it's also on its own as a single, and that's how I listened to it. And I was like, "Damn, dude, they knocked it out of the fucking park." Oh, it's on the new one, and I haven't. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I can't believe I've never heard that. Yeah, I didn't until we were I was researching for this. I was like, when did this happen, dude? So but yeah, they they killed it. Dude, check that out on your own time. You will enjoy the hell right. out of it, I think. Okay, now I'm curious. What's your number one? Oh, dude, procreation of the wicked. I tried to listen to especially monotheist mm-hmm. like a little bit more because that was probably the one I guess when this episode came up monotheist was probably the album where it's weird I I bet I've heard that album well no that's not true but I've I've heard the album a lot right but also when it came out and since it's been out like it's like I just I just forgot about it because Doom's always Doom. Like it's it doesn't change a whole lot, right? It's like punk albums are easy to forget for me because they're always there. I know I know what they are. Um, Vanity, Cold Lake, Pandemonium, Megatherion. I know what all those albums are about. Yeah, for right. Sure. Monotheist, I just, I really had to revisit because I, I you know, I'd, I'd forgotten about it so much. It's like, I don't know what it's about, right? I don't know what the deal is. And just because you listen, especially with this band, just because you listen to one song doesn't mean you got the whole fucking gist of the album. Yes. So after I listened to it a couple of times, I'm like, oh, okay, Doom. This is a Doom album. It's, a, it's an awesome fucking album. All right, cool. But then I keep thinking about like my favorite fucking shit, my favorite shit, my favorite shit. And I mean, it just, always fucking when when we talk about you know, the slur riffs and stuff actually you know the biggest thing i love about this is how it starts with the it switches when it switches from the to the like oh dude it's such a small thing very small thing right and in music small things can make such a huge difference on fucking literally everything absolutely but man, when it fucking is that fucking it's it changes the whole lick. It makes it sound. It takes it from being just a, a, a standard kind of like stompy kind of riff to now it sounds like sinister. 
It sounds off a little bit. I think what it is is when those fucking bam, when the notes bent like that a certain way, it gives it a, a detune effect. Yeah. Which always reminds me of a harpsichord, which always reminds me of evil. I fucking don't know why. You I, could probably uh, play Happy Birthday on a harpsichord. It's going to be sinister to me. Yeah. It brings about a very specific vibe for sure. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know why other than maybe i've never heard happy harpsichord music at least yeah. not that i recall yeah i could so I, I think that's what it is that, but it's just that detune effect when when you have that detune effect you you get that internote phasing kind of mm-hmm. it's the same note it doesn't really this doesn't fully change or, or you know now you're talking like eighths an eighth of a step a sixteenth of a step shit your bear your ear could barely fucking recognize but it is changing it is there and it's like i think that's where you get that discordant dissonant kind of sound and that's something that's always been evil or sinister to me you know but then you gotta like it's just for 84 too like no that little like lead guitar over the top when it changes towards the end you know, and it goes to that fucking dun, 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 the higher note or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I covered most of this before, so I might end up cutting some of this out. But the first time I heard the song was like Sepultura's version. Yeah, same. It just, you want to talk about perfect covers for a band. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Like, it was the best. Yeah. The whole thing, Sepultura God, basically started fuck. as a uh, Brazilian Celtic Frost Right. And uh, apparently, maybe this was when Max was still with the band, but apparently Tom came out at whatever festival they were playing together and uh, and played Procreation of the Wicked with them. So, that's Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. You know what? Because it's on whatever Josta uh, show episode it was, like when it, the show first started, he was talking about it. So maybe maybe it was when it was still with Max. Maybe it was without, and maybe or maybe it was even Soulfly. But somewhere in there, he came out and played Procreation of the Wicked with whoever. Fuck yeah, dude! I mean, it's a fucking hard song, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, especially for the time it came out, it's still fucking just stomps, dude. Like sometimes I had to have a little fun with my list and try to dethrone the emperor. <laughs> nice, but it doesn't always work out. Sometimes the usurper doesn't win. Ah, we're getting into the wordplay. <laughs> yeah, I it it most of the time actually, yeah, most of the time, whatever, especially like if it's something that's a long-standing favorite, most of the time it just stays the favorite, dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard, it's hard to fuck with like nostalgia. It's. It's just hard to fuck with time in general. You have so much more time with a fucking song, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I'll definitely be listening to... I thought for sure that was going to be in your fucking list. I thought for sure yours was going to be the dying God coming into human flesh. (laughs) We surprise each other. That's weird because I don't... I don't really love that song that much. A dying God. I don't really love that one all that much. Hmm. I do like it. I just there's some there's some stuff in there. It's like it's it's uh, it's a song I like, but it's like it could never be a favorite because I can't listen to that song all the time. I can see that. 
Although that's the difference is I could. <laughs> I, right. I, 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 would, I would have to be in a certain kind of mood. There's just not a lot going on. That's so for, for me, it's like, okay, like that is a mood kind of thing where procreation, the wicked, or even like into the crypts of rays and dethrone emperor. Those are like the complete opposite of that style of song. Yeah. I you think know, that's why it took me so long to get into those songs too. That's that. That's the thing. Right. The usurper yeah. also like there's it's the opposite. There's a lot going on in those songs. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, more so than a lot going on in those songs. It's just I don't have to be in the mood to listen to just a heavy song, Circle the Tyrants, or whatever. Right. But when I'm listening to something that slow and that uh, that broody. I have to be in a I have to be in a mood. <laughs> Maybe it's just that being I'm said in that mood. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Are you're definitely in that mood more than I am, so I know that I know that much about you. Indeed. That is their fucking number one played song though. Mm-hmm. So there's more of you than me. Well, I think it's because they got the headbangers ball boost. That was that was about the time. Oh really? Yeah, because they had the video. As far as I know, that's like well, I don't know about the only official. No, because Cherry Orchards. Okay, yeah. but that was like the big video in rotation when that album came out. That was the big single off that album. I can only presume that's what it is, because otherwise there are more weirdos like me which out, out there, which is scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, well, dude, I, it's on a Doom album. I mean, and it's probably the the consummate doomiest of Doom songs. Yeah, well, speaking to that, uh, Brian from Shabalba says that, that that was the song that got him into Celtic Frost for that exact same reason, too. Well, then, so. And then you look at the title, too, mm-hmm. A Dying God Coming Into Human Flesh. Like, it's an awesome fucking title. Oh, yeah. So even if someone's just scrolling, hey, what the fuck's this? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot about that song to like. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, and I, again, I love the song. It's just I have to be in the certain mood to listen to it. So if yeah, I have sure. to do that, I just I just can't have it be yeah. my favorite. Well, that's that's also me with uh, I Hate God. For most of their discography, I have to be in the mood to listen to it. Uh, not, sure, not so yeah. much the last one because uh, it was for a little me, Amon Amarth. Uh, I love yeah, that yeah, band. Yeah. But yeah, I have to sure. be in the mood because it's so fucking Viking oriented. Yeah, no, I yeah I feel on that, a nice sure. summer day where I'm not really feeling like a Viking. Yeah. I uh, I had to go pick up my sister from PB recently, and I had typo negative on, well, wow. because it was because That's, it's October. You know what I mean? Yeah, you might as well have been cruising through fucking Mission Bay, listening to fucking November's Doom. That's oh, just man. weird. I want to do that now. <laughs> I'm so game <laughs> in November. Yeah. So, Dying God coming into human flesh is their number one played mm-hmm. song with 2.2 million. And then number two is a song I absolutely cannot stand. It's a cover, though. Can't remember who covered it, but Mexican Radio. Mm. Uh, Wall of Voodoo. Don't even know what it is. I don't know why that song is so fucking popular. Yeah, no right. I thought for sure Circle of Tyrants would be number one. But it's Into the Crypts of Rays is actually number, is their third highest played. Mm-hmm. And then Circle of, Tyrant, Circle of the Tyrants. Um, have you paid much attention to... What the difference is between the Emperor's Return EP version and the regular one? No, and you know what? I didn't really take too much tab as far as all that goes. 
unlike till this morning i don't know if it's re-recorded or not yeah i don't either like apparently like that's the crazy thing i didn't even realize mega or uh, martin's not onto megatherion until this morning uh when he says it in the documentary and i'm like what and then i go look and sure enough there's like nine different versions of Tomegatherion at least. And oh, yeah. like some of them are, it's like the same so, songs with different versions of them. If you listen to this Emperor's Return EP version, that's apparently lumped in with Morbid Tales on Spotify. Yeah. It's way more necro sounding. Huh. There's hardly any fucking bass on it at all. Uh. Even compared to the other, like Dethroned Emperor right underneath it at number five sounds huge right. sounds big sounds huge circle of the tyrant sounds almost like a black metal version of the song which yeah. maybe that's what they tried to do number mm-hmm. six would be procreation of the wicked yeah, and those are right around like six hundred thousand plays i'm actually really surprised this band doesn't have more plays progeny off of monotheist uh that has 614,000. Visions of Mortality from Morbid Tales. Oh, wait, no. So that's the number 10, is Visions of Mortality. Because mm-hmm. next would be the Usurper at 498, 498. Then Morbid Tales at 416, and then Visions of Mortality at 409. Hmm. So, I mean, it's so a lot of sense. a lot of Morbid Tales on there. Yeah. You know what, dude? I'm going to have to go at some point when it's, you know, when, no, it's when it's organic and it's not a forced thing, I'm going to have to go check out into the pandemonium and, uh, the one after cold Lake again. Like, I feel like there's gotta be something there to be had. I just, yeah. For you sure. know, like they're almost, they're like this perfect line between death metal and black metal. It's really weird. Yeah, somebody had to be first, man. True. Yep. And apparently they were from Switzerland. So that's our Celtic Frost episode, everybody. Thank you once again for joining us. Let us know what you like, what your favorite era is, anything. We, a lot of people hit us up about the Van Halen one last week, and we appreciate all of that. So please keep the conversation going. Talk to us. We love talking to you guys. Thanks again to Mitch for joining us. Everybody check out Brave the Cold's e- or album, right? Yeah. Scarcity. There is an upcoming yes. EP. That's why I was getting a little messed up there. Also check out Napalm Death's new album, Throws of Joy and the Jaws of Defeatism. And then also thanks again to Lindsay for joining us and setting everything up. Check out her new EP under the name Natalia. It's very awesome. There's a song named Mission Bay, which is fun. Um, Also check out her other bands, Eyes of Perdition, Coma Cluster Void, and Cat Nation. And she's got other stuff that will be announced shortly down the road. And as always, find us on Metalist Pod on Twitter, Metalist Podcast on everything else. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Tell all your friends. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. See you all then. Later.